by 4 o'clock. We'll hear from uh, Joe and Duck at uh, 5 o'clock. The folks from the, um, who we got 5 o'clock? The Salvation Army coming by to, to visit with us today. So all that's coming your way. Uh, Congressman Hill is going to talk about the USMCA deal that was struck with the House. We'll also talk about the impeachment and what's the update for that. Uh, the IG report that's still going on right now. And uh, then he has secured multiple victories in fiscal year 2020 National Defense Authorization Act. And we'll get the uh, specifics about that uh, at uh, 3.35. But right now, let's go to Washington, D.C. at the Senate and uh, hear what's going on. We don't use that you did in not. our report. Do you think questioning the motives of your staff as possibly involving bad faith or accusing them of spying would be demoralizing to your people? Um, uh, let me put this. I, I, I would not speak to my folks about them acting uh, in that manner. Do you think that's a really great seen way that to either. characterize what you you all do in your professional capacity? I think that's a rhetorical question. Yeah. You know, so uh, describing point, point your taken, <laughs> law enforcement staff's investigations as intrusive and based on the thinnest of suspicions also cast aspersions on the professionalism of your people. And I think that is probably also not terribly edifying or supportive. Uh, did the Attorney General provide you with any evidence to support his claim that the uh, FBI agents were spying? Um, we, in terms of evidence, we didn't get any evidence from the Attorney General. We did meet with Mr. Durham, had a discussion with him. Um, but we, as I said, are standing by our conclusions. Does it bother you that you have the Attorney General using words like spying to characterize what the FBI did under uh, an authorized process? You know, as Inspector General, I'm going to stick to what we do and what we've said and not try and guess the motives or ideas or thoughts of anyone else out there. Yeah, I don't see you do. jumping up and down in glee I'm, with use of I'm such words. Not. Let me go on. On November 21st, Dr. Fiona Hill, the former National Security Council Senior Director for Europe and Russia, warned that Russia has, quote, geared up to repeat their interference in the 2020 election. Even as we speak, that's what Russia is doing. She also warned Congress against promoting the fictional narrative that Ukraine rather than Russia interfered in the 2016 U.S. election. These conspiracy theories, she said, clearly advance Russian interests. FBI Director Ray stated on Monday that the FBI has no information that would indicate that Ukraine tried to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. And when we talk about Interfering. We're talking about the kind of systemic, government-sanctioned interference with our election process that Russia engaged in. And uh, there's no way that Ukraine engaged in that kind of uh, systematic interference. So uh, in all of the documents that you reviewed, 100 witnesses, um, did you find any evidence that contradicts FBI Director Ray's statement that the FBI has no information that indicates Ukraine tried to interfere in the 2016 election? Um, we didn't see any such evidence, but I emphasize that wasn't yes, I know. the purpose of But our you know what? Review. You would think that you're looking through a million documents. And Fortunately, not me, but the team. 
<laughs> there might have been something there that uh, ref referenced that maybe Ukraine was engaging in the kind of systematic interference that Russia did. Um, I know that Senators Leahy and Klobuchar asked you about this, but I want to make it clear. Is there anything in your report that calls into question the conclusion of the Mueller report that Russia interfered in the 2016 presidential election in sweeping and systematic fashion? Yep. And of course, we all know that the Mueller investigation resulted in 37 indictments and six convictions of Trump associates. Is there anything in your report that calls into question special counsel Mueller's conclusion that the Trump campaign not only knew about Russia's election interference, but they encouraged it and expected it to and expected to benefit electorally from it? No. I know you receive a lot of requests from Republican and Democratic members of Congress to do certain investigations, and I've been among those. I, I realize you have to take certain factors into consideration because you only have so many resources to conduct all these investigations. And one of the requests that I and my colleagues asked you to um, investigate was whether Attorney General Barr's handling of the Mueller report was misleading and whether he demonstrated bias in dealing with the Mueller investigation. In light of the factors that, I, that I'm sure you consider, uh, will you take another, another, another look at the request that I am and my colleagues mm -hmm. sent you to see whether you're able to investigate any of them? So on that, Senator, first of all, I'd be happy to come up and meet with you and talk about it with you in person. Let me say I've had conversations with some of the members of the committee about this issue. It's the, the letters asking us to look at the conduct of senior lawyers at the department directly implicate Section 80 of the Inspector General Act, which prohibits me from looking at conduct of lawyers in their capacity as lawyers. Senator Lee um, has sponsored a bill mm -hmm. uh, that passed the House unanimously, bipartisan, full support, pending here. Um, several members of the committee have co-sponsored it. Um, that provision prevents me from undertaking investigations of misconduct by senior department lawyers or actually any department lawyer. Just well, this is one time when I actually, I think, agree with Senator Lee in needing to make that kind of change to enable you to make the kind of investigation that we're asking you to make. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And, and again, I'd be happy to come up and talk with you about it further. Thank Senator. you. Thank you. Uh, I will keep doing this and I'll apologize. Uh, has anyone been convicted of the crime of working with the Russian government associated with the Trump campaign that you know of? Not that I know of. Well, they haven't. Mm -hmm. So I just, whatever convictions have been attained got nothing to do with colluding with the Russians. That's what got us here. And uh, about what happened here, if the government is surveilling an American citizen pursuant to a FISA warrant and the government comes in, uh, information is given to the government, that questions the foundation of the warrant, is there an obligation to tell the court? Absolutely. They did not do that here, is that correct? Correct. As a matter of fact, they lied to the court about the information they had that was exculpatory to Mr. Page. Um, they, they gave misleading, inaccurate information. Okay. At what point does a, can a surveillance that started lawfully become illegal? It can, it can become unauthorized, inappropriate, illegal, depending upon the facts. Would you apply all those terms to what happened in this case. I'm going to let others who have the ability to address some of these issues decide what the precise level of intent was. Here's what I'm going to say. It may have started 
lawfully. Mm -hmm. It got off the rails quick. It became a criminal conspiracy to defraud the FISA court, to put Mr. Page through hell, and to continue to surveil President Trump after he got elected. And I hope somebody pays a price for that. You've certainly done your part, Mr. Horowitz. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Chair, and, and thank you very much, um, Inspector General, for, for being here today and presenting this information. And uh, I know that a couple others have focused on this, and, and I'd like to, to dive back in. But, but first, there is a lot of respect out there, or there has been for the FBI. And I remember as a kid, you know, watching movies or shows that portrayed the FBI, and we really thought, wow, those are the good guys. And I think what we have seen through the past number of years, number of months, is that a few bad actors have really squandered that away. And I think the American people look at the FBI and they think, wow, if they're doing this to a presidential candidate, what would they do to me? It's just a normal American citizen. Are they really there for me? Um, so I'm just so sorry that this is, has led to this Again, a few very bad actors. I heard somebody um, earlier saying, oh, the mistakes that were made at the FBI, the mistakes. It's not like, oops, I accidentally filed a FISA warrant or an application, a FISA application. Oops, that accidentally happened. That's not a mistake. Um, that, it just reeks of, of, uh, of Ill, Ill wishes to do, to do harm. So. Again, I just think the FBI, we've always thought of it as such a great institution, and now I'm looking at all this information, we've all reviewed the report, and I think, for God's sakes, what is going on here? Uh, you know, so thank you for, for doing this work. I think it's just really important we take a look at what's going on, um, why it happened, and uh, I'd like to focus a little more just on, on the discipline aspect of this, because these mistakes were made by some people that really wanted to do bad harm to an individual illegally. So Peter Strzok was fired from the FBI. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So he still has a Merit System Protection Board that is not yet adjudicated. Is that correct? That's my understanding. Okay. Is, is, does that mean that the termination is final or not final? Um, I'm going to get ahead of my uh, legal employment law capabilities if I give you too many opinions okay. on what his legal rights are in that okay, regard. Okay, very good. Thank you. It seems that there was only one individual uh, referred for possible criminal prosecution based on the IG review, and that's the person that altered the email uh, to imply that Carter Page was not or never a source for another agency. So with that apparent concealment of facts from the FISA court, especially as they relate to the accuracy of Steele's reporting. Um, can you explain why there were no more criminal uh, referrals? Um, what we ultimately decided was that the conduct here warranted sending the entire report to the FBI and the department for review, for um, review from the line agent all the way to the top of people who were still at the FBI. Um, and as we said, we didn't see documentary and testimonial evidence of intent, but we also didn't hear good explanations, which left us with an open question on what the motive was and what the state of mind was and 
the adjudicative process with the FBI and the department will now assess that and look sure. at that. So, um, so we don't know of anyone else that has been fired or reassigned. Um, um, I don't know as I sit here, that would have to come from okay. the FBI or the department. Okay, so with that, um, how many of, how many case agents uh, involved with the FISA applications in your report are still active case agents today? Um, as I sit here, I can't tell you the precise number. There are several who still are. Um, that are active That are still active agents. agents, whether they're still in certain roles or not, I don't know. Okay, because you don't know specifically if they are still working as case agents, um, do you believe uh, if they were working as case agents that the information contained in your report as it relates to those case agents should be released to other criminal defendants under the department's Giglio policy? I think this raises the, those kinds of issues for the department okay. to review and consider what they have to do to remedy any wrongs here. Mm -hmm. And for those folks that are watching this back at, at home in Iowa, can, can you talk a little bit about the Giglio yeah. um, policy? So um, in criminal cases, for example, when an agent is found to have engaged in misconduct, uh, whether by a judge or by the Department of Justice, um, there's an obligation under Supreme Court case called the Giglio case mm -hmm. um, to notify the defendant uh, of the wrongdoing or harm or misconduct, impeachable evidence, those sorts of things. Um, and that obligation is taken seriously, has to be taken seriously. As I said, I've done law enforcement corruption cases as an AUSA. And one of the first things we do, including now as IG when we find issues, is notify prosecutors and the department and law enforcement to ensure that they take appropriate steps in a timely way to make sure those agents, or if it's prosecutors, but agents we're here talking about, um, aren't continuing to pursue cases or aren't allowed to stay in those positions if they've violated the trust that they've been given. All right, we're listening uh, to the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee hearing that's going on right now, and testifying is the uh, Inspector General uh, Horowitz of the FBI and uh, talking about his report. Uh, that was uh, Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa talking to him at that moment. You heard... Uh, Lindsey Graham just a moment ago he's the chair of that committee and what he had to say about what they th he thought that they had done to Carter Page we're going to get a break in and we'll come back I think we're going to pick up a little bit more of this today just because when we jumped in that was some pretty good stuff they got into right off the bat so we'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick show 1011 FM the answer All right, let's join Fox uh, for a few more moments.
Uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee is uh, hearing from the IG Horowitz on his uh, report on what happened with the FBI and uh, Russiagate and all the rest of that stuff. Justice's uh, Russia investigation. So your report makes clear that the FBI had a legitimate reason to investigate the Trump campaign. Is that correct? That's true. There was sufficient predication. And in addition, your office found no evidence that the FBI launched a politically motivated investigation. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. And another key finding was that the FBI committed several errors in his applications and in their applications to surveil Carter Page. Or maybe more than several. And as the FBI Director Ray himself has acknowledged, your investigation found serious FBI misconduct that needs to be addressed. And Director Ray also said that the FBI fully accepts your investigation's findings. Is That's that correct. correct? On the other hand, Attorney General Barr has been highly critical of your findings. During the final stages of your investigation, he even embarked on his own personal investigation by meeting with foreign leaders in foreign lands, apparently in search of evidence that contradicts the fact that Russia interfered in the 2016 United States presidential election to benefit Trump. Clearly, Barr's investigation, which was launched to do the bidding of President Trump, has two objectives. One, to undermine the integrity of our intelligence community. The goal, to cast doubt on the finding that Russia interfered in the 2016 election in order to benefit the Trump campaign. And two, to intimidate the men and women of our intelligence community by suggesting that our national security professionals will face serious consequences if they investigate wrongdoing on the part of this president or his operatives. So General Horowitz, I appreciate your extensive work and the work that your office has devoted to this investigation. But in addition, you have the power and the duty to investigate misconduct committed by the Attorney General of the United States, who is doing the bidding of the President to undermine our intelligence community. And I trust you take that duty seriously. I, I do, and I'd just like to add that under the law, under the Inspector General Act, it carves out from my authority the ability to look at misconduct by department lawyers from the line lawyer all the way to the top and the attorney general. But history has also shown us that the inspector general can participate in an investigation of the attorney general, and that in fact happened with, with General Gonzalez. Do you recall that? That happened, and it's worth noting, that happened after the attorney general said our office was not going to get the case. It was going to go to the Office of Professional Responsibility, and the choice for our office was whether to join that investigation or not. But that wasn't initiated through us. So and that's the important point. The law has to change, Senator. And so it should are you change. recommending the law? If I Absolutely. Propose, if I propose legislation that Absolutely. would change the law, would you support that?
All right, back with you. The uh, IG hearing going on at the Senate Judiciary Committee continues. Senator Harris is questioning the IG Horowitz. And uh, let's get back to it. And uh, I will get back into doing the live show and go over with uh, what Horowitz had to say in his opening statement today. If you didn't hear it, there's some uh, interesting things that he brought up in that statement. You've had conversations generally about this phone call? About, about generally Ukraine-related matters and discussions generally. How about specifically about this phone call? Um, I don't recall, as I sit here, discussions about it. But again, I have to go, I have to. You have to refresh your memory. Refresh my recollection on this, this issue. I've obviously been spending a fair amount of time preparing to deal with the 400-plus page report uh, that we're talking about today. Involving Ukraine. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, I'm sorry. Right. This rule. Yeah. Okay. Um, the American uh, system of justice was founded on the principle of equal justice under the law, and that principle obviously means that there cannot be one system of justice for one group of people and a different system of justice for others. And I have spent my career fighting for equal justice, and I'll tell you um, that everybody in a Department of Justice obviously has a duty to make sure that people get a fair shot. Unfortunately, recent reports suggest that the actions taken by the Justice Department leaders fall far short of their obligation to pursue equal and even-handed justice. For example, in 2011, the Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel issued an opinion that paved the way for states to legalize online gambling. This opinion was uh, opposed by Sheldon Adelson, and who's a major donor who spent millions of dollars to support President Trump. And his lobbyist also sent a memo to top DOJ officials asking that the opinion be reversed. And of course, then the OLC reversed the 2011 opinion in January of 2019. Has your office investigated whether political considerations motivated the Department of Justice's abrupt reversal of online gambling? I, I'm fairly confident that we would be barred from doing that by the statutory prohibition. I don't think we would have legal authority to look at why the Office of Legal Counsel made a decision one way or the other, unless there was a criminal allegation connected to it. Okay, my time is up. Thank you. Senator Crapo. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And uh, again, I join with everybody else, Mr. Horowitz, for thanking you and your team for the work that you have done here. Uh, I'm going to go back to an issue that's been talked about by many of my colleagues today, and that is this question of bias. Uh, and actually, I want to start by going back to June of 2018. Uh, when you were last here before the committee, mm -hmm. and when I asked questions of you at that time, I had talked about your findings then with regard yeah. to bias. Uh, the specific focus that I recall there was uh, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, and the information that's already been well presented here about the what I consider to be the undeniable bias that they had against the President, President Trump. Uh, at that time, you made similar statements to those you made today, which is that you did not find bias in the decisions that you were evaluating in that report. <coughs> but as I went through that with you, I think that you also confirmed that you were not saying that there was no bias by those who were involved in making decisions. Other, rather, you were saying you could not prove that that bias was a factor in their management of the activities they engaged in on behalf of the FBI. Um, as I understood it, uh, 
you said that there was bias, but in fact that you had asked them whether their bias influenced their work performance. They had told you that it did not, and you had no contrary evidence to dispute that. Is that correct? Um, let me clarify. I, let me explain. I, we found that those text messages evidence bias. And what we ultimately found was that other people were involved and made many of those decisions, not them. And that was the base, not because we didn't know whether they were biased. Those texts evidenced bias by them. All right. The question was the other individuals who we didn't have text messages for otherwise in evidence of, of bias by those individuals. And that would be consistent with what your report here today says, uh, as I'm reading from the executive summary. Uh, Deputy Attorney General, I, th I believe that's his title, Priestap. Yeah, uh, Assistant Director or Deputy Assistant, Assistant Director. Director, depending upon okay. the time period. Uh, he's the one who made the final decision to open each open. of the four investigations. Correct. He did that in consultation with uh, a number of others, including Peter Strzok. Correct. And uh, you don't necessarily know what advice was given in those conversations, do you? I, I don't. But he made the final decision and because you had no, as, and you've used the phrase very consistently here today, you did not find documentary or testimonial evidence that political bias or improper motivation influenced the decision to open these four investigations. Right. Did you ask Mr. Priestap whether he had bias? We, we asked all the witnesses, not just him, as to whether, as to whether bias or other improper considerations um, had any impact. But we also looked for emails, text messages, documents that could show what we found, frankly, was struck and paved. I mean, if th that is how you find evidence of oh, bias. Now, beyond that, I'm stuck trying to understand what's in somebody's head if there's no I just want to make it really clear what it is you are saying and Correct. what you are not saying. Correct. And uh, in this case, what you're saying is that you could not find any documentary, documentary or testimonial evidence to contradict the statements of the investigators that they were not letting bias influence their decision. Correct. Do you believe that's an open question? Um, I mean, you, I, I can only I can only speak to the evidence we found. I, I think the important point here, and I, and I made earlier, is all the evidence is here. People are free to consider, evaluate what they think ultimately people's motivations were. Um, we don't reach a you can't, definitive you, you aren't making that decision. Uh, we're not making a decision on ultimately um, information, evidence we don't have um, that, that somebody acted, may have acted. <clears throat> but there's, a, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of uh, most of us who have, on, on this side of the aisle at least, who have talked to you today, I think there's tons of evidence of bias here. In fact, you have referred for further action to the Attorney General, uh, one case for criminal prosecution, if I understand it right, and other cases of how many other individuals? So, I, but I want to be clear, we're talking now about the FISA as opposed to the open. I understand, and there is a distinction there's between the opening of the investigation very distinction and the conduct of the investigation. Correct. And so I'm moving, I understand that. In That's, fact, I appreciate I've tried to separate that those clarification. Two. Because in the conduct of the investigation, it appears to me there has been intense bias. But you're not making that judgment. I understand that. You're referring that to the Attorney General, correct? Mm -hmm. And the FBI. 
for adjudication, and consideration the FBI of this. Understood. And I believe in response to Senator Ernst's question on this same issue, you indicated that similarly, since you could not find any documentary evidence or testimonial evidence to contradict their statements that they were not biased, that that leaves an open question as to what the FBI or the Attorney General will find with these referrals. There are significant serious failures here on the operation of the, particularly in connection with the FISAs, whether it was sheer gross incompetence um, uh, that led to this versus intentional misconduct and what the motivate and any or anything in between and what the motivations are I can't tell you you're not making today. that decision I can't tell you as I sit here today because I don't have enough evidence to reach a conclusion but if someone were to characterize what you are telling us to be that you're telling us there is no bias here that's not what you're telling us that is not as to the operation of these FISA is what I'm telling you all right understood and uh, I, I did want to get to this question, though, about the operation of uh, the, the FISAs. Uh, and again, you may not answer this, and that's fine. But it seems to me that if, if we go beyond the bias question to intentional versus grossly negligent, it seems to me that the kind of misconduct that has been presented by you and reviewed by our chairman and many others here today is mind-numbing to consider that it could be just accidental. Can you reach a conclusion like that? Uh, I'd be skeptical, but I understand why people would be skeptical of that. Uh, I, I, there is such a range of... All right, so we're going to move on. inexplicable. You understand that right now, Horowitz is uh, testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee, and uh, he is jumping through hoops right now and not saying that there was some kind of political bias in anything that was going on. However, he is saying that there's a lot to be questioned about why things happen. As he said, talking about FISA warrants, whether it was sheer uh, you know, incompetence or something uh, other than that or something in between, uh, that's going to be up to the AG and up to the FBI to figure out. When we come back, I'll give you some uh, information from the IG's uh, uh, Horowitz and what he had to say about this stuff. Because, you know, Comey's running around saying, see, we're vindicated, blah, 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 blah. Let's hear what Horowitz said about that. We'll do that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show.
All right, so Monday, James Comey was out tap dancing around and uh, did uh, the, the talk circuit over on the uh, liberal media with MSNBC and uh, discussing what he said was his exoneration, his exoneration by the Department of Justice's Inspector General Michael Horowitz report on the origins of the Trump-Russia probe. And uh, not, I'm just telling you, that's not what Horowitz said. It is not what he wanted people to uh, uh, take away from uh, his 400-page report. In fact, let me play a a few uh, audio bits here. You got the the cuts from today that we uh, sent down? We do. All right. So let's start with cut number one. Uh, this is specifically I.G. Michael Horowitz of the Justice Department talking specifically about what Comey has been saying. All right, that's not it. Uh, I sent those to Zach. Maybe you haven't seen them yet. All right, so we'll have them for next half hour then. We can pull them. You think you can pull them? All right. Do you have a? Do you have a? a you give me an email and I'll I'll send it to you. Just produce on air. Yeah, sure. Just send. It. I have email as well, so I'm supposed to be in that that batch. So we'll get with Zach and get this uh, up as quickly as possible. Okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. All right, because we. Because I'm just telling you, what Comey is saying is a bunch of, uh, you know, BS is what it is. Uh, he's saying, I'm exonerated, nothing about this. And then you, you've you got Horowitz coming out. And let me just, I'll take one one small sentence. And I typically don't do that. I usually pay play uh, full uh, pieces of audio. But in that audio that I was going to play, he said, the activities we found don't vindicate anybody who touched this. Speaking about uh, the whole Russia uh, debacle and the, the you know the, the whole thing of the FISA courts and all of that, he went on to say, say about Carter Page. He says, "I don't think the Department of Justice fairly treated these FISAs, and Carter Page was on the receiving end." And then finally. Uh, Horowitz said the FBI failed in his quote, not mine, basic obligations on the FISA application for Carter Page. And understand this whole thing with uh, Carter Page was specifically used to get the ball rolling and open the doors for the Russia uh, investigation. Uh, I'll also have a piece for you in the next half hour from uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, who read the uh, page and struck text line by line to show you that for them to say that there was no bias is ridiculous. So we got all of that coming in the next half hour. At uh, 335, we'll be joined by Congressman Hill. And uh, see what he has to say to us today. We'll talk about uh, the great thing that the USMCA a deal has been struck there. Uh, and it looks like uh, NAFTA uh, that was, of course, passed during the Clinton administration is being completely uh, 
recalibrated and rearranged to give the, us uh, more uh, power uh, in the markets. Uh, the congressman's going to give us an impeachment update. He'll talk about what's been going on today in front of the uh, uh, Senate the Judiciary Committee with the IG report. And then uh, we'll talk about some of the victories he scored for fiscal year 2020 in National Defense Authorization Act. Four o'clock, uh, Joe and Duck are going to be here. Five o'clock, the Salvation Army will be with us. So we still got a lot coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show for you to keep you uh, up to date on in all of this going going on. A lot happening up in uh, D.C. right now about all of this. Uh, new story today as the House, and, th- and this is because of two new polls, Quinnipiac University poly- polling uh, and uh, Monmouth uh, as well. As the House of Representatives begins drafting articles impeachment against President Trump, two new national polls indicate there is a slight majority of Americans still opposing impeachment and removing the Republican president from office. Quote, said Tim Malloy from Quinnipiac, American voters signal they are more inclined not to impeach than to impeach. And the surveys, again, overall indicate little movement in the minds of Americans on impeachment. That Trump's uh, approval rating, which is sitting around anywhere between depending on what day you look, 44 to 47, uh, and his approval rating over the past month, which, by the way, is very close to what uh, Obama's approval rating was. How, how uh, I don't know, wobbly and how misused the FISA system was. Does, does Congress need to go back and look at it and make sure that that's tightened down completely and the people who misused it go to jail so that the American public can be, you know, not worried that it's, you know, that they could somehow fall into being into something like this. You know what I'm saying? Well, when you combine the Horowitz investigation in the IG report and then you turn around and uh, recognize what Adam Schiff did to Rudy Giuliani and Devin Nunes and a reporter at the Hill newspaper, John Solomon, by releasing their telephone numbers through a domestic uh, spying operation. That should scare every American. So I'd say two things. One, the compliance at the uh, FBI and the FISA court needs to be completely reviewed in light of the IG report. But more importantly, a member of Congress who you may have seen in the Intel and Judiciary Committee work, Chris Stewart from Utah, is proposing legislation that will tighten up on the disclosure for Americans who in some shape or form are swept into a FISA court application for surveillance. I'm, I, I want to talk about something away from uh, the FISA courts and things and an impeachment. Uh, yesterday, we had a gunfight in New Jersey. Evidently, uh, a lot of anti-Semitic uh, hatred there, as they found pipe bombs and all kinds of stuff in this uh, this uh, kosher supermarket. Does it worry you the amount of anti-Semitism that's happening here in not only our country but in Europe? 
Yeah, this is, uh, I think, in some ways, beyond the Garden of Eden, it just seems over the last uh, 2,000 years to be just a continuing original sin, which is uh, rampant anti-Semitism going back hundreds of years in Europe. You see it, it's always, even since the horrors of the Holocaust and the horrors of uh, World War II, completely destroying the entire continent, you still have this smoldering anti-Semitism in continental Europe. And we don't see it, frankly, uh, blatantly here, but when we do, it's shocking, I think. The tree of synagogue murders brought it to light for every American. I went to the memorial service at B'nai B'rith there in West Little Rock, and there was a lot of emotion from Christians and Jews and Muslims and people of all walks of life there in Little Rock, because it's just an attack on our own religious freedom and our own religious tolerance. Yeah, the president's signing an executive order today targeting anti-Semitism. That's a great thing that he's doing. Uh, With that, let's move to something we've talked about. We kept hoping that Nancy Pelosi would get it done. Uh, The USMCA deal has been struck. What was the sticking point with this, uh, Congressman? Well, first, my hat's off, as we've talked really for the last six or nine months on this, because we could have had it in the floor much sooner. I'm glad she took the right decision to bring it to a vote. I think it will pass. Uh, It's an overwhelming victory for President Trump. It's the most significant trade deal we've done in 25 years and will anchor the United States as the place to do business in the world. And Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. and in North America as the place to locate a business operation. So it's pretty exciting. Sticking point was uh, enforcement of Mexico's new labor laws. This was a real gap back in NAFTA, back in 1994. I think economists and people who negotiated uh, NAFTA felt like labor rates in Mexico would go up. They wouldn't reach American standards, but they would go up, and Mexicans along the border and the Maquila Doris would have a better standard of living. And honestly, that just really didn't happen over the years. And so labor enforcement of higher wages for better productivity in Mexico is a part of this deal, very important to President Trump, but also important to Democrats on Capitol Hill. So that was a sticking point, Dave. And then uh, pharmaceutical uh, issues on patent protection down in Mexico uh, was a big deal. At the end of the day, uh, we left current law in place. We did not improve it. We were trying to extend longer patent protection for American pharmaceuticals south of the border uh, to 10 years. We didn't get that. That was something Mrs. Pelosi was interested in, but she's gone along with current law on that matter. All right. So you say that 100,000 Arkansas farmers, or ranchers, manufacturers, are going to benefit with increased exports, more jobs, and rising wages in 2020 and beyond. Can you can you expand on that some? Yeah, you bet. I mean, what's what's awesome for Arkansas is $2 billion of exports from Arkansas go to Canada and Mexico every single year. They are our largest trading partners. And actually, I think everybody listening needs to know Mexico and Canada are our largest trading partner, period. Larger than China. I know we talk about China all the time. But it's important not only to the U.S., but very important to Arkansas. So I'm excited about that. We're going to see uh, more uh, ag markets open in Canada. We're going to see more people working in the U.S. because President Trump negotiated a higher percentage of American-made content 
in the definition of North American content. Mm -hmm. That was one of his number one objectives that he gave Bob Lighthouser, who was his ambassador. Get me more manufacturing in the U.S. as a part of the three-country deal. And so that's going to produce more growth and more jobs uh, in the U.S. And I think we'll get more business from Asia. I think you'll see people in the supply chain uh, who want into North America and in Western Hemisphere who might be an Asian company, they may well know, come now and locate in Canada or Mexico or even the United States, and that's going to be good for growth, too. So these these different trade agreements that we're signing, we're signing with France here in the near future, uh, Japan, we, we're going to have the USMCA, uh, and as you said, they're our largest trading partners, Mexico and Canada. How much pressure will that put on China? Exactly. Now you're talking because USMCA has the most modern trade language in the world. It's basically like the Trans-Pacific Partnership language that has been worked on for 10 years. Only President Obama, I mean, President Trump put a twist on it, which is to make it a bilateral, more directed uh, negotiation by the U.S. That's what he got with Japan. That's what he got with the, with the Korea a few months ago. And now that's what he have has with Mexico and Canada, and he can show Europe now, and China, look, the U.S. stands by its agreements. The U.S. is a good negotiator, and the U.S. has now closed three deals in three years. Come on and be next. Mm -hmm. And that's what's exciting, I think, over the next year when the uh, we see the Johnson government, I'm predicting, I think, will, they'll be elected in uh, the U.K. Uh, tomorrow in the U.K. elections, and I hope that means that we can bring some of the uncertainty in Europe to a close. In other words, they can mutually come up with an effective way to negotiate Brexit for for Britain, and that'll produce another opportunity for the United States to have both a better EU negotiation and a better arrangement with the United Kingdom. This is sounding awful like uh, all those economists who pointed their finger and said what Trump was trying to do was not attainable, it couldn't be done are going to have egg on their face. Is that right? It's possible. It's hard work. I mean, I hope Lighthouser has got some more cans of Red Bull because uh, (laughs) this is a big victory, but he's got a lot of work ahead of him. Uh, I'm encouraged by the conversation with China. I do think both countries want some sort of a phase one deal um, to reduce uncertainty and allow people to come back to the table and narrow their differences. That's always good, you know, when you're negotiating. And then the European Union, of course, is a much more complicated negotiation. I I think I know the president's realistic about it, but when you talk about agriculture in Europe, you're talking about a monolithic, uh, tough set of negotiations and the same on autos in Europe. So the president will have his hands full, but he'll have three victories in his in his pocket, and that'll give him negotiating uh, stroke. Yeah, more jobs to, are going to be made. Farmers are going to be making more money. The Democrats are going to be saying, how do we carry, you know, uh, Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania? They're all farming communities, a lot of them. They've got, they've got bad, bad futures in front of them with what the president is doing, I believe. When we come back with the congressman, because we've got to get a break in, We'll touch a little bit on impeachment. I've been beating this drum so hard that we'll get a, a, a few takes from him. But I really want to talk about these multiple victories that he has for fiscal year 2020 in the National Defense Authorization Act. We'll 
take that and tee it up when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's finish up our conversation with Congressman French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So tonight, evidently, the House Judiciary Committee will vote on these articles of impeachment, uh, abuse of power, and obstruction. Uh, I'm sure that they'll get out of the committee on a party-line vote. What do you think? Is Are there enough uh, Democrats in these purple areas that when this goes in front of the House, that there might be enough defections that they cannot get this impeachment passed, Congressman? Well, I, I think if for people who are really interested in this, this will be an interesting 24 hours. Tonight, the Judiciary Committee will convene and take opening statements from every member. Then in the morning, they'll reconvene and they'll start debating the articles of impeachment, uh, the two articles of impeachment. They will take... Uh, amendments. They will debate amendments on those. So it should be a very educational, constitutionally educational process. 
And Dave, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, two members of the Democratic Party voted no on the Pelosi motion to go to an impeachment inquiry. Mm-hmm. Colin Peterson of Minnesota, and a brand new congressman from New Jersey, Mr. Van Drew. Um, I, I think others could join in voting no on these two articles. That's possible. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're giving it long, hard thought. Uh, and so maybe somewhere between those two I named and four or five more might be a possibility. We'll have to wait and see. I think the work over the next 24 hours will be instructive to, to where they go. But uh, tough vote for them. Well, I look at it, and I wonder if they saw the same uh, polls that I saw Quinnipiac and Monmouth and a couple and yep. one other that basically said uh, they're they're teetering on losing uh, Wisconsin right now. Sixty percent of the people up there are against impeachment. Uh, you've got like fifty-two percent in Michigan and near fifty-seven percent in in Pennsylvania. That's a complete destruction of the big blue wall. Yeah, well, this is a they've as I as I've talked to you over the last few weeks, they've ridden up into this box canyon. There's no water or food up in that canyon. And, uh, <laughs> the horses are stampeding, avalanche coming. But here's the deal: look, the pe- reason polls are are uh, opposed to it is because there's nothing there. Now, this is a very thin gruel. Yep. These are not high crimes and misdemeanors, bribery or treason, warranting the removal of a president from office. And we've talked about this at length. I reread today the Nixon impeachment resolution and the Clinton impeachment resolution and the weeks of work and the detailed criminal behavior outlined in each one of those. Uh, and, and there's just no comparison. I think that's where Jonathan Turley spent most of his time. I still commend people to go download Jonathan Turley's testimony before the Judiciary Committee. All right. Before I, left, I let you go, let's talk about fiscal year 2020 and the National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, these are a couple of your bills included in the NDAA. You got House Resolution 2249, the World War I Medals Review Act, and House Resolution 2333, uh, which would allow the Arkansas National Guard uh, to release land on Camp uh, Robinson to the Arkansas Department of Veterans Affairs so they can expand the Arkansas Strait uh, Veterans Cemetery. Talk a little bit about them. Yeah, this is a, a nice victory. First of all, again, Mrs. Pelosi, after blocking this bill since the summer, has caved, and now we have our 58th year of a bipartisan national defense authorization bill passed the House. Uh, all the Democratic objections that they'd cooked up uh, fell by the wayside. We have a good bill, I think, uh, that supports our men and women in uniform. I was proud to have two key components one, recognize all those who served in World War One, who were African Americans, Native Americans, or Jewish Americans, who fought and served in France but never earned their medals for uh, theater service or for valor. They were blocked out of prejudice. So this bill will ask the DOD to review their cases and award medals as, uh, as required. And I credit Brian Mitchell, professor at UA Little Rock, for doing the homework to finding this absolute sad chapter in American history that we didn't award award the medals earned by our men and women who served in France. It's a sad state, but it's going to be corrected by this NDAA. And lastly, yes, uh, the Arkansas National Guard uh, is uh, 
releasing land out at Camp Robinson to the Arkansas Department of Veterans Affairs. That expands our very beautiful Arkansas State Veterans Cemetery there in North Little Rock. Proud to work on that with our Senator John Bozeman. It was a great partnership, and uh, so that's going to be able to expand the cemetery and serve more families for the years ahead. Well, that's good because, you know, I probably don't have that many more years left, and I want to be uh, in consecrated ground, as I like to call it, when, when Amen. I pass Amen. We away. want everybody to have the right view. That's exactly right. Hey, I, I appreciate you, Congressman, for being God on. God bless, and Dave. We'll talk to you All later. The best. All right. See you bye-bye bye. now. All right. Congressman Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, I got a couple of moments. Did you happen to get cut 12 off of that list? You didn't? Okay. Uh, it's the last cut on the Sun Network. Can you bring it up and catch it real quick? If you can, then I'll... Okay, John's going to do his best because I just talked with talking to the congressman. I want you to hear a constituent uh, confronting a Democratic uh, representative for supporting the impeachment and hear what they said to an elected official. And this should be played for all of those people who are in purple districts. Because I do believe the Democrats are walking on really, 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 really thin ice. And this will give you a good feeling about it. When you got to just motion to me, John, and uh, okay, I got 12 right here in front of me. All right, just so you know, if you can download it, you got it. Okay, constituents confront Democratic uh, representative for supporting impeachment. That's what it says. That's, I think it's the, the last audio available today. I think it's the last piece they put in there. And, and it's such a telling piece of audio. I hope we can play it because I want people to hear it. We've got a couple of minutes here. Coming up, Joe and Duck will be here on the Dave Ellswick Show. they got some guests that are going to be with them as well. Uh, we're going to talk to all of them uh, about uh, you know cars and all things about cars. I think next week... Uh, we're going to have somebody on from uh, Bumper to Bumper who's going to talk about paint uh, here on the show. Oh, he's here today. Okay, great. So we're going to talk about paint today. The the, the evolution of paint uh, and painting cars has just All right, we're back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Rick, can you hear me? Okay, well, you really, you don't need headphones unless somebody calls in. We got we got all all kinds of wires going all over the place right now. We got the three, we got we got four Stooges doing their thing here in the studio now on all this. Almost a Keystone Cop kind of routine. A lot of people, you know, I say Keystone Cops now, John. They don't even know what I'm talking about. That's a bit dated there, Dave. Yeah, it is. A, you know, it's even dated for Dave, me to be you honest. keep telling off on how old we are. I am well. When I say Keystone Cops and everybody looks at me and like, what are you talking about? It's pretty pretty evident what's going on. There it is. Oh, he hears, oh, him. He hears us now. All right. Yeah. We got it, Joe. We got it going. All right. So um, sitting here in the studio, Jerry's here this week. That means he's brought somebody in from 
uh, bumper to bumper. And who do you, who do you got with us here, Jerry? Well, Dave, we got Rick Deldano. Rick is our uh, division uh, paint manager for all of the paint. Anything to do with paint with Crow Burling Game Company, he's oh, wow. the man. As you call it, the head cheese. Yeah. He's the head cheese of the paint. That's right. So, the, head, the head cheese. Yeah. The, he's, uh, what was it that uh, Fred Flintstone was? He was uh, the head of the, the the Bisons, Royal Order of the Bisons. There you go. A, you know? <laughs> that, is that where you are there, Rick? Uh, Move up on that mic. I am sometimes. You when, are sometimes? When, when it's going bad, I am. When it's not, When it's going good, I'm not. Yeah, we've, we've had some people on from a local bumper-to-bumper dealing with paint before, haven't we, Joe? No, I don't think so. We we, we had a couple guys that uh, uh, was going to be on from one of the paint stores, but they it fell through, didn't it, Jerry? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah we, we, we have were, not had anybody were, on. Yeah, they were on a while back. It must have been a year or two. And they, they, they came on one time. I must not have been here that day. Okay. Well, you, no, <laughs> well, you, weren't, you weren't doing it yeah. then. You, you yeah. weren't showing up. Now you're showing up, man. You actually, he's actually working, Rick. Good. I mean, you, you know, we got him doing something now. Uh, so anyway, I wanted, I've been asking to get somebody to come in and talk about paint because the, the world of paint has changed immensely uh, in cars. I did not know until joe told me one day we were just sitting and talking about it and i was talking about painting and he told me it's watercolor now is that right well some of some of the paint has gone to water it's the color that you see is mostly water clear coats uh for cars primers and sealers some primers are trying to go to water but mostly the color is is beginning to go to water that's a it's driven from a 1995 legislation that um, the government said no more VOCs, which is volatile organic compounds, and so the that go into the atmosphere while you're painting the automobile. Correct. Right? Okay. And the uh, paint business, being what it is, uh, really doesn't fight legislation like that. So they just kind of go with it, and they've had to do some research and development and begin to develop coatings that don't emit. Uh, the emissions that they used to d- have uh, along with the application. The spray guns are different as well. They're uh, uh, called HVLP now, which is high volume, low pressure. Uh, most of the stuff transfers from the gun onto the part. You don't get a lot in, you don't see a lot in the air anymore. Okay. But you still got to wear a respirator, right? Everyone still wears respirators. Most guys will still wear paint suits. Uh, yeah, because because most of the coatings that are for cars now uh, are two component. They have what they call isocyanates, which are not good for you. Easy for you to say. (laughs) Yeah, right. right. I've been in it a long time. Okay. I'm just saying it's just really wild because I remember when everything was lacquer. You remember when everything was lacquer, Joe? Yeah, I do. And, you know, some of them cars are still out there in the salvage yards and if you went out there and and wax that fender, it'd shine again like new, wouldn't it? It would tell, be. It tell, would be. Lacquer was a good product. It just had a lot of things in it they didn't like. And it still ain't dry today yet either. <laughs> it may not be. It may be still dry. It's still curious. Is that still a problem? I mean, I remember, you know, my first car that I bought, it, it was dull, and then I got my dad's drill, and I put a buffer pad on it, and I got out with some some uh, compound and buffed it up and the shine came back again uh, d- is that the same way it uh, works today you still see it not well 
used to it was more of a single component type application. Now you have primer, a sealer, a color coat, and a clear coat. And the clear coat is actually where you get your where you get your gloss. And the the, the clear coats are so technical and high tech now that that um, you don't have much. Uh, if you get the right amount on there and do it the right way, you, the gloss will be it'll be there forever. Okay, it'll so be there forever. until it peels off. Until well, it peels, and that's yeah. what if I was going to ask: Is it better now than it used to be? Man, I had a, a car. I had a Ford uh, back in the nineties, and that stuff just peeled there off. Are, and it looked terrible. There are instances, and most of it will go back to surface preparation, coatings general by rule do what they say they will do uh where you get in trouble is sometimes surface preparation contamination things like that between coats and they delaminate between coats and it'll happen and it's not good no it makes a mess it looks ugly it'll make a mess yeah, yeah. it really looks it really is. go ahead joe you can say something well, what I was going to say is it primarily you see that on a lot of lighter colored vehicles like gray ones and, you know, gold, light colored gold ones. Uh, as far as the darker colored ones, uh, what, it what's, really what's doesn't the, matter. You know, Clear coats are, are because there's UV absorbers in it. And in the coatings world, you get what you pay for. And so if you don't want to spend a lot of money on clear, then you're going to get fewer things in it that keep it lasting longer. And one of them's a UV absorber. And UV ab- without the presence of UV absorption, you will get clear coats that that lose their luster, uh, that delaminate, uh, that have problems sooner than you okay. will with with better clear coats. So that's what caused the clear coat to peel off. It, it, it can be. It's one of the causes. Yes. I also heard that when you're driving down the the road, those rocks that hit your car and stuff, that it can literally crack the the, the coat. Is that, that true? It'll, they'll do some damage uh, with the presence now of uh, bumpers that are plastic. Uh, there are uh, additives that we add that for flexibility that do take care of a lot of that. That it'll cause that coating to it's still dry and still cured but it has some flexibility to it, and it will resist some of that chipping that you see. Yeah, now as you're listening, if this sounds like a whole new world to you, it's a whole new world to me as well. That's why I've got all these questions. It's a whole to new world to everybody. I mean, well, not for Rick. I mean, he's he knows yeah. it already. Yeah, he learns the same way we do. <laughs> Trial and error. <laughs> yes, been, been there, done that. Okay. But, I mean, you, know, you look at... you. Know, the car I was talking about peeled. It was an Escort, the little Ford Escort. Yeah, Not, it's probably gray, wasn't it? It was gray. Yeah, okay. It was a gray car, and boy, that stuff. So it peeled off on the hood first. Yeah, then it goes up on the roof. Yes, sir. Right. Then it goes. See, up when, he, to the when top it peels of the roof. off the roof, off the hood, going down the road, it slaps up on the roof. Yeah, that's not what it is. <laughs> that's not what it well, is. Well, because it, because hoods and or heat, vertical, uh, uh, horizontal surfaces to the sun. So they get a lot more of that than the Cooks sides that, are, uh-huh. that don't get as much. They don't get direct sunlight all the time. They don't get direct side. sunlight all the time. Yeah, yeah, when it started, it was like all these little areas started yeah. showing up, and then it just Poop. went away, and boy, it was ugly after it went away. Yep. Kind of kind of a, a mealy white color underneath that. Uh, yeah. Probably had a little bit of chalking going on underneath there. Once they start to peel, they'll do that. 
and uh, you can you can actually get your hand and wipe it, and you'll get you'll get a little residue on your fingers. So are the days of Earl Shive gone? You know what I'm even talking about? Yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, no, there's there's some guys out there still. There's there's I'll the Makos of the world out there. Those guys that'll that um, I don't know what the number is anymore. It's it's a couple of hundred bucks. You can you can go have an all over done. So is that worth? Let's say my escort. If I still had it, I don't have it. It's been dead for years. But if I taken it to somebody like that, can they fix it? They'll paint it. They'll paint it. <laughs> look good for a little bit. Dave, that was and then not it's gonna, the answer. And then it's going to have trouble again. The clear coat's there, coming off again. There's a lot of lack of preparation. Lots of right. uh, wiggle room around that answer. I'm just saying. You were, you were talking about the flex additive that goes in these cars on the front and rear bumpers, where those bumpers are made out of uh, a flexible material. When when they paint those bumpers and they put the flex additive in there, can they spray it on the rest of the car too? Or they have to paint those two things separately. Uh, normally, they paint them separately. Because uh, of the attitude, the expense of it? Uh, there's an expense involved, absolutely. Anything you put in, it's going to be an expense. And, and you don't, you, you know, because if on the rest of the car, it's, it's metal. So you don't have that flexibility that you have with, with bumpers. So it really, there's, there, there would be no real reason to. The, the bumper, uh, when it gets hit or when it's moving, it, it wants to flex with you. And you get more flex there than you do on the rest of the car. Yeah. So, so how long have you been dealing in paint? Uh, I've been in the paint business in some paint. form or fashion for about thirty-five years. Okay, so you um, you have seen some major changes. I have seen some major changes. I mentioned earlier in about ninety-five, the the government came up with VOC laws, and, and things really began to change then. And today we have uh, used to. I, I still run into guys that say well i painted lacquer like you said a while ago and those kind of things but the window to do that is much more narrow now it's much more technical um it's just you've got to do it you don't have that wide open feel that you used to have to put it on it's just it is what it is now Uh, they they do do a great job they're just a little harder and a little more technical to apply okay so what you're telling me is more complex it is more complex even though it's water it's a whole lot more complex. Water is the carrier, and that's about all it does. Okay. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk further. Rick's here. He's a paint specialist. You got a question about car paint? Here's your opportunity. 823-0965. 823-0965. Now, we've got one of the small uh, minivacs to give away. Uh, where are we going to be giving that away at, Duck? Uh, do I know? Coming from your place or Evans? For me and Evans both. Okay. Okay. And we, so where we're, you'll let John know yeah. here. He'll let you know where it's going to be at. Be the first caller, 823-0965. That's 823-0965. If you want one of these uh, small wet and dry vacs, this uh, goes on top of a five-gallon uh, uh, bucket, which will give you one of those as well. It will say bumper to bumper on it, by the way. And uh, you can put on your put it on your uh, boat, put it in the back of your truck, take it out with you hunting. It comes in handy. I can tell you that I've got one myself. That's all happening right now. Get call eight two three zero nine six five. John, answer the phone. Tell you where you win it at. Well, we got a winner already. Somebody's calling in right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show.
We continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and we're talking about paint. You know, we're doing, uh, we're talking about it because it's changed. It's changed big time. You remember watching late night TV? And Earl Shy would come on and say, I'll paint your car for 99 That's exactly right. I remember those ads as though they were yesterday. And uh, it's not that way anymore. You don't see those ads anymore. I can't even buy the paint now for $99. That's what I'm saying. I mean, here's what's no. amazing to me. Watercolor versus lacquer, you would think that lacquer would be more expensive than a watercolor. But not true because you got all the the coverings that go over that water. Right. Color. With water, you've got you have multiple coats. You the water technology is such that it's it's uh, relatively expensive, and then and then it when when it dries, it's actually a dull finish, and then you put the clear on top of it, which makes makes the, it pop, makes it pop, makes it sparkle. Anything that's in there, whether it's whether it's uh, flake or pearl. Or any of that, you won't. You, you barely even see it until you put the clear on it, and then, huh. you, then it just kind of jumps. Is there still metal flake that yeah. you can get? Oh yes, oh yeah. It's, there's, yeah. Now is that in the clear coat or is it? No, in it's the in the. Place? It's in the color. Yeah, it's in the color. How do you do metal flake in watercolor? It's it's a coated. It's a trick. It's a it's actually a coated flake. It's a it's an offshoot of what used to be a metal flake, and. Um, it doesn't it doesn't gas or anything like that if you put metal in water it'll gas and um, they've developed flake now that it's coated has what, a coating around what do you it. mean it gases I it mean, gases it, it lets it put, off gas yes and, yeah. and, the, and the chemical reaction and the EPA to doesn't reaction like that yeah. yeah the chemical the, reaction of it and the EPA wants you to stop it the EPA doesn't like anything to do with paint. It's not like that. anything that goes in the air, period. Pardon me? They don't like anything that goes in the air, No, they period. don't. And, and yeah. I said earlier that the paint, the paint world is a small business as, as, it, as business goes, or industry as business goes. And, and we just, we're not organized to fight that. That was something we talked about earlier about the yeah. uh, doing some of that. And, and uh, we just... We just take those laws and run, and depending on who's who's running the running the country as to how much of that you get. Yeah, you know, you were talking about that. You know, that base coat that goes on there, the the difference in the tinning of it could be how heavy you put it on or how light you put it on because it'll bleed through, and it makes it very hard to blend a color or match a color if you're only going to paint part of the vehicle. Yeah, talk about a, that a little there's bit. There's a there's a uh, with all the new colors, the OEs are coming out with all these fantastic colors that you see on the highways today uh, but they're very hard to repair uh, blending is a is a is a process that that goes past the repair into the next panel uh, plays tricks on your eyes a little bit uh, so so that's what we want to do we want to blend those colors out and a lot of OEs now have their have, trying to save money like everyone else are dialing back the uh, the amount of coating they put on there and they get just enough on there and sometimes they don't get enough and you see uh, the e-coat which is usually black uh, shine through from behind because the car's new uh, it all looks the same but when you go to repair it and you put a full opaque coat on there which blocks everything it, it tends to look different 
it tends to look different. So there's a there's a trick to it. It's it's a it's a trick tricky deal. That's why I said you, you it's a harder deal to do than it used to be. All right. So I used to have a Pontiac that I loved. All right. And somebody dropped cinder blocks in front of it and <laughs> uh, did damage to it. And I thought it should have been totaled from the very beginning, but the insurance company was bound and determined to try to fix it. And it, what interested me, they had to replace the front left quarter panel. And that meant that they had to repaint it. And they couldn't match it to the original color. Don't they have codes for all these colors? They do have codes. We even have cameras as well. We can take a picture of that color and get it to a certain, what they call a delta, which is a difference in what the coating actually, you take a picture of each one, what the coating actually color is, uh, you get it down to a really low number in what they call an acceptable blendable match. Uh, a lot of people will try to get away with what we call a butt match, which is just the panel that they're fixing. That's the only thing they'll paint. And when you butt it to the next panel, uh, some colors just it, it's hard to do it was silver gray right it's uh, very Joe? very hard to do. oh yeah Your, yours was gray and let me uh, tell you what they had that car sitting there and i know i love telling the story joe looked at the insurer uh, guy who was there and he says i want you to look at that look at that quarter panel and look at that the, the hood you think dave is going to accept that because it was a huge difference oh yeah there it, it, you know if you get it in, you know, certain light changes things. But, Absolutely. And, and how it's setting. But Dave's issue with his car, not only the, the paint didn't match on the panels they painted because they didn't blend it very well, it also it had an issue with the uh, top coming down on it. It was a retractable hard top. Yeah. And it got tweaked enough that uh, getting it to close right and seal up and no air leaks, we had an issue with that. So anyway. We and water. Yeah, we finally told the the guy. I said, "Look, it's, you know, you got three things going on here. The top ain't working right. It ain't sealing off. It's leaking air and water. Panels don't match." I said, "Dave's not gonna be happy with this." And, uh, and there was more. It was, <laughs> there was, it was more. Yeah, it's. Inc I mean, the front wheels were out of alignment yeah. hugely. It was amazing. Well, one of them was out enough that it it wasn't gonna be able to just do a basic alignment on it because it was out enough. It would have to be pulled. Color color is a tough deal. It's probably the okay. most. Hold your thought. I gotta take. Got to take the news, and it's happening here in just about five seconds. So let's get the news, and when we come back, more about car color. It's uh, Like I said, Rick has got his responsibilities with a lot of the all of the paint stores company-wide you know and i didn't say that he obviously has responsibility for the independent stores if any of them has paint he would be in charge of that too helping them out but uh, with the certified service center program we have um very few shops uh, have a auto repair dedicated auto repair they're most they're mostly auto body shops mm -hmm. you know but we have one in batesville uh, bishop's auto clinic they have a separate shop it's an auto repair shop, and then they have their body shop. So they do it A to shop. Z. If, if you crunched up the, the hood, they'll fix that for you, repaint yep. it, and yep. all of that. Plus, go in and take care of the engine if right. something happened to Air conditioning mounts, system, if it's, you know, if it's been in a collision or whatever, they can go right over their auto repair side and do that. Chassis, you name it, they can, they can wow. do pretty much anything over there. Pretty you impressive. Know? 
That's pretty impressive. Bishops, you said that's in yeah, Batesville. Bishop, Bishops Auto Clinic is the name of it. Okay, and, and they're affiliated with Bumper to Bumper as well? Yeah, they're yes. a good customer of ours. And I know that uh, Rick does a good job with them, or they do a good job with us on the paint side, and they also buy the parts from our store there in Batesville. All right, very cool. All right, Joe. Well, I got the $100,000 question. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Me, Duck, everybody in this room, everybody out there listening wants to know why red paint costs more than any other color. Because red pigment is more expensive than the other color. <laughs> You're going to have to be more specific I don't on that. I'd be more specific than that. Red Why? Pig, red pigment is more expensive. Uh, yellow pigment is very expensive. Uh, black's not expensive. White is kind of middle of the road. Yeah. And then you pretty much make every other color off of four or five of those. But yeah. red is, is more expensive, and it is generally red and yellow are, are fairly transparent as well which means it's going to take uh, a little more patience, a little more expertise to get it on there like you want it and get it to hide and get it to cover and get it to lay down like you want to and get the get the effect that you're looking for. So you don't get no orange peel? You don't get any orange peel. You don't get it too thick. Better um, explain that. You're talking, you're talking, you know, terms in the industry. What's an orange peel? If I know, Dave, you've looked at orange. You know how it's... It's got the little pigment holes and stuff in it. Yeah, that's what's called orange peel. You yeah, paint it, do that. It. It, it looks. Okay. It looks like the peel of an orange. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's. I call it cottage cheese. Okay. It's got a cottage cheese look. So the to consistency, it. the color is not good. Well, it's just it, it's the way it's applied. Yeah, I've been saying it's the way they laid it on there is is what caused it to do that. It has to do with gun pressure, uh, the volume of liquid they're putting on, how fast they move, that kind of thing. All right. So how do you, how do you take and, and paint a car so that you make it look like it's wet all the time? You know what I'm talking uh, about. Where right. it looks like you can stick your finger in it. When when uh, most of the, most of the time you see, in production shops, you'll get a good clear coat. It's usually a couple of coats. Uh, if you wrecked your car and took it in somewhere, and that's what they did, that's what you're going to get. Uh, what you're talking about is what you see a lot on show cars. Yeah, that's a custom paint job. There's it's no a doubt. custom paint job, and, and they put multiple coats of clear. They wet sand between coats, and they just continue to put, instead of two or three coats, they put six or eight coats. So what, what makes it continue to look deeper and deeper? I mean, literally, like you, like I said, put your finger it's, in it. It's mostly the amount of clear that's, that's put on there over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, those guys really that do the custom work really are uh, somewhat artists. Uh, they they take a lot of time and effort. If you tried to do that in a body shop, you'd never get a car out the door. Well, that's that's where eighteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollar paint job comes in. Correct. You know Correct. because they have went through and made sure that it's exactly smooth down the side. Then they start pouring that clear coat to it to make it shine, make it look good. Well, right. they're going to paint that clear coat eight, ten times. Oh yeah, right. And yeah. wet sand it, you know, each time in between, so there is it's and, perfectly and it's smooth. All in, the, in, in the in the amount of money you were talking about, it, that's not unusual. And, and so much of it is in labor. Mm-hmm. It's so much of it's in labor because it takes a long time, time to do those kind of things. Yeah, hours. To yes. Do no like days. Oh, days. 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 And weeks. And months. I mean, they'll, they'll work on. Uh, depending on, I've, I've seen custom cars built uh, over the course of years. Yeah. Um, you know, you, a lot of guys that do those that you see at car shows, uh, that's their hobby. And they will spend 
after work hours and weekends doing that kind of thing and it takes them literally years to get it like they want it well you know if you ever watch this this guy out of illinois it's called phantom works and you know it's on it's on tv but he'll show how many days they worked on this one car they was working on a corvette the other day they had worked on it 931 days that's like almost three years two hundred twenty four thousand dollars when he got through with it whoa but it was showroom i mean it was so you might as well tell me that they're never going to drive it on the road (laughs) trailer probably not yeah well when they got through it they picked it up on a trailer so if that tells you anything they take closed trip yes yeah Yeah. those are the kind you see on tv and the car shows that they sell yeah this was crazy numbers and it was rough when it got the, the the fiberglass fenders was busted and they made pieces and it come out with a with a uh, uh, 427 minute with with a four speed. Well, this guy wanted a you know a LT1 put in it and you know wanted automatic in it and he wanted air conditioner. The thing that come with air conditioner. So, but they worked on it 900 and I thought I know I'd, I'd go start rating crazy if I had work on one thing for that many days. I, I'm you know a lot of people listening right now may not remember when cars did not come with air conditioning. Mm-mm. Nope. You had to order it separately. And then it was installed at the dealership. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, when Nissan first started bringing their little Nissan pickup over here, the air conditioner was in boxes in the bed. <laughs> so they could bring it in as an incomplete truck. Didn't have to pay near as much taxes on it. Save, save on uh, how much, uh, you know, they... It had no radio antenna, no outside mirrors, and no radio in the dash. And the air conditioner, all that was in boxes in the bed. You know, we, we were talking about orange peel <laughs> wow. there just for a little bit, and... And, and, you know, we were talking colors and stuff like that. I, I have a question for you about the uh, the preparation of today's paint before it's applied. Is the preparation done differently, and, and if so, how? It's a little – I think it's a little more painstaking than it used to be. Uh, it's a little more of an exact science. Um, and that truly is the uh, earmark, I guess, of, of your finished job. If you don't – Eighty percent of the work you do is going to be in the prep work. Is it harder today than what it was before? I, Years I past, like you know, some um, you know enamel you could put fish eye eliminator in it and stuff like that. And yeah, they don't. There's yeah. not much of that done anymore. That, but yeah. I think the prep work, the the cleanliness of it, the etching of it, all the things that go with it before you put ever put your first bit of primer on it. Even your first bit of body filler, if you're if you're fixing dents and things like that, yeah, just 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 all that prep work to the metal is is monumental. If you get that right, the rest the rest flows pretty well. Yeah. Uh, but but I've always said if you don't do the prep, then you're only going to get what you get, and it's probably not going to last. It's okay, so, not gonna so last. is Bondo still in business? Oh yeah, Bondo's trade name. It's still in business. They've they they're they're owned by the 3M company now. Okay, uh, but they've gone way beyond that that product. Uh, there's there's so many out there now. There's a there's a, a a body filler out there now that you put it on. It's one color while it's wet, and you know when it's cured because it's a different color. It changes colors. I so, had a lot of Bondo on my old beaters. I can oh look at that big dent in it. Bondo. All right, we'll put a little Bondo on it. <laughs> Not a little. I put a lot of move. You know, you could used to put a, a, a magnet against a metal body and stick to it. 
I don't think you get stuck in it. <laughs> <laughs> Fall right wouldn't, off. It wouldn't strong enough to get, penetrate yeah, all that's that. That's exactly right. Dude. Is there so. still a fair amount of Bondo or body filler put on vehicles today? Is there probably not as much as there used to? There's more replacement parts? Well, Is that a right, lot of, A lot of things are replaced, and, it, and, it's, and it's more time because you can pull a panel and replace a panel. Uh, time and, and money because it's it's fairly expensive for a guy to stand there and do a lot of body work. Uh, there, there becomes a, a point where do I change the panel or do I fix it? Which which, right. which is gonna which is gonna be more beneficial? Which is gonna be quicker? Which is gonna be cheaper? Yeah. Teresa's little BMW got backed over. A lady backed over. He took two screws off and the back quarter panel come off. I thought two two. He took wow. he raised the trunk. He raised the trunk and took two screws out in the whole quarter, and I thought, and this is neat. There there are some vehicles out there. I know that Saturn was big on this, but there's some other ones where the hoods are composite material made out of, uh, of uh, non-metallic. Non-metal, non-metal. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on. Uh, we see the biggest the biggest deal they've done. Like There's, there's a number of different uh, composites that are used for bumpers. But the biggest thing we've seen in recent past is is the uh, emergence of aluminum. Cool. Uh, it's uh, stronger. Mm-hmm. It's lighter. Uh, it, it all relates back to what the government is trying to force the OEs to do with gas mileage, and so that all plays into when you re- when you when you go to repair one, uh, do you have the tools that you can fix aluminum with? It's a, diff- it's a different deal. Yeah, it's a we, different fix. I think we're going to go to break here in yeah. just a few minutes. After that, we need to talk about that because that is a big deal because the OEs are trying to yep. corner that where the average guy out there is struggling to – they won't even sell him any parts unless he's a certified aluminum body specialist, Dave. Oh, is you going to get one of those government licenses? Yes. Yeah. We're going to talk That's what licenses that. are about, to keep the competition down. You know that. Well, that and somebody gets revenue off that license. Yeah, they make yeah. money. Government does. Yeah. And then the uh, companies out there, the big companies, who can pay that that money, not small fry out there. Small fry is ending up and he's uh, shut out from the market. So free market, not so free anymore. Nope. We'll take a break. We'll be back. we got more with the Dave Ellswick Show. This has got to be pretty eye-opening, I would think, for people. This, for me, I didn't realize that it has ch- I knew it had changed because Joe had said they'd gone to watercolor. And I thought, <laughs> watercolor? How do you get watercolor to be that pretty? And it's the clear coat more than it is the paint, correct? It's both. It's it, both? it really is both because you've got you still got to lay the color on there like it needs to be because it still has metallic. It still has pearls. Um, so it, it, you've got to get it on there even because it, you, you, can, you can mess it up and, and it's a little harder to see because it dries flat. 
but when you put the clear, it really pops. That's when you see what see what your work is done. All right, and during the break, you were saying that static electricity can screw with things. Static electricity is a big uh, big part of of uh, what we see because of all the plastic that's on vehicles now, bumpers, trim, things like that. But they make a tool. Um, we call it a stat gun. It's, there's a number of names for it, but we call it a stat gun. And you just wand the gun back and forth across the part. It kills the static electricity. You spray, you spray the part. The, 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 the uh, aluminum and things lay like they should lay, and it, you, you get a better paint job. Does you, the person you get a better match. does the person have to ground themselves somehow? No, no, Mm-mm. no. You hook it. You actually hook it up to a to a airline, and uh, there is no. You can put it on your skin or whatever you want. There is no shock to it, uh-huh. and uh, it just neutralizes that static and, and creates. It makes it neutral, and uh, when you lay the paint on there, the 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 flake that's in it doesn't uh, doesn't. Does it lays, turn? Lay, does it turn in crazy <laughs> directions, but lays like it's supposed to lay? Wow, so so it's, it's crazy. Say, <clears throat> say you're painting a whole car. I know I've, I've seen it on TV a few times, and uh, where you'll see them over with a little measuring cup, and he's dropping these uh, pearl, you know, putting these flecks of pearl in there, and the guy he's looking, no, not quite ready yet. You know, you paint a car; it takes more than one paint gun full to paint a car. I mean, it has to be exact to make it come out all over the same, correct? Right. Well, there's a lot of really cool tools in the in the refinish business these days, and, and most everything we do is either measured um, uh, in a cup that has a scale on it, and most of that is uh, primers or, or clear coats where you add the you add the axilla, you add the uh, uh, activator. Um, and add the solvent to it to reduce it. It's a it's a volume thing. Or when you do color, uh, those are mixed uh, on a scale, and it's done in grams. And so you get a formula out of the computer. Ba- the the paint code will give you that formula, or the camera if you used a camera to, to take to take the picture of the color, and it will give you a formula. And you use that formula, and it's in grams, and it tells you what colors to put in at what way at what ratio and in what order you know when i heard when i heard they gone yeah when i heard that they had gone to watercolor i thought wow they've really made it simple now go to walmart boy how yeah boy how wrong (laughs) i was (laughs) but you still have to remember it's right now for the most part uh all you see in water is is the color they're experiment. There's there are some primers out there. They're doing a little bit with, and they're experimenting with some clear coats to to be water. That's will they get there? Sure. I think at some point you, you'll see that um, the chemistry will will present itself at some point, and and, and will move in that direction. I think in in time to come. But uh, it's all about flow and and uh, doing it the right way. All right. So we haven't talked about this. We've talked about it during the break, but we haven't talked about it on the air, and that's aluminum and how it's it's coming on. Yeah, aluminum is becoming more and more uh, prevalent. Uh, a lot of different composites, but aluminum uh, you see in the Ford truck now. Um, it's it's uh, to repair aluminum's a whole other process. It's uh, a process that has to be taught. Um, because aluminum does not repair 
and react the same way metal does. So um, there's, a, there's a, a new learning curve there as well, uh, a little bit of a new learning curve when you paint it as well. And it sounds like to me a new uh, amount of money you got to put in at your shop because you need new equipment to do the work. You, with you do aluminum. have different equipment. They they want uh, most of the original equipment guys. They want um, a, a separate set of tools just for aluminum because aluminum and metal together you'll get some contamination. And if you're using tools for both, then one's going to contaminate the other. And, and you end up with with, with failures. Eventually. You know, you know what that tells me. It's going to become more expensive to fit fix trucks that are made out of aluminum because you got to make all that initial investment. You know, investment it is. It is equipment. more expensive. The tools are the tools are different, and and uh, right now they're more expensive, and they're dedicated just to aluminum. And aluminum's not huge out there now. It's getting bigger, but uh, uh, eventually. Uh, I think it will eventually take over the the other side it, in years to come. I think it's well, headed, it's headed in that direction. So our beer can cars on the way, huh? <laughs> maybe disposable, maybe. Maybe it's <laughs> not a joke any longer. Uh, no, that's what EPA no. would want: disposable cars. Well, I, I, with the aluminum, it's lighter and you get better gas mileage and use less fuel, and so there's a whole whole mess of things that go that are involved in that. And but if you think that's going to save you money because you get better gas mileage and you don't wrong. have to put as much gas in your car, mm-hmm. just know that your gas will cost you more because the government says we got to tax you more so that we can fix the, the roads that you're driving on. Yep. There you go. Yeah, you know that's going to happen there. It's already anyway, happened in little, in, here in Arkansas. Yeah. They have a gas tax, and now they want a tax, uh, sales tax for the roads. Yes. We ought to have some really nice roads for long. You know? mm-hmm. hope so. Pam yeah. Gold. <laughs> but uh, a lot, a lot of the change to aluminum is because of the is it is it because the cars crush easier and they absorb the impact and it's less detrimental to the occupants or I think that's part of it. Um, but one of the one of the big selling points of it was I remember back a few years ago when Ford came out with their truck was is that is that it was a it was a lighter vehicle but it could still do the same payload. Yeah. And so what they were saying was is that because it was lighter it got it got better gas mileage that was the big push then yeah. uh, that's how they sold it well that's you know a, a, a half ton truck still only gonna haul a half ton no matter care. what it is yeah but maybe but, it hauls it a little cheaper well there you go <laughs> but, but you know you know in in paint and and the in the the extra expense for a body shop an independent guy to get in the aluminum uh body business it sounds like it's pretty expensive for him to do that and it'd be a major investment i know i know initially they wanted what what were called clean rooms which were just for aluminum and i know the initial investment in some shops was for tools and to make a room clean where it was only for aluminum and those kind of things was about eighty thousand dollars wow i'll pass better be doing a lot of work that's all i gotta (laughs) say you gotta fix a lot of cars yeah absolutely rick this has been really in very interesting good thank you i just thought we're going to talk a little bit about paint but had no idea we were going to talk about aluminum and everything else so today you heard about the future of automobiles again that's what's been coming out 
So uh, we thank you for taking the time out to be with yep. us. Hope to have you up uh, again in the future. Thank Jerry, you. thanks for coming in and bringing him in with us. You bet. We'll bring him back. All right. We want to do that. Joe Duck. Thank you, Dave. Thank you very much for coming in today. Thank you, Dave. Don't forget about the Car and Truck Doctor Show on Saturday at uh, 9 a.m. I'll be here for that. I don't know who's going to be my co-host. I have to call Kenneth. Yeah. Find out. I think it's is it you? I think it is. Yeah, yeah it, it is, is because yeah, last week was Joe. Yeah, so I you'll be here. here. You're on. Yeah. Okay, so bring Russell in with you. He can't, he can't go out and deer hunt. True. All right. He went hunting last week. Let's break. Bow hunt. Get a break. Salvation Army is up next. All right, final hour for a Wednesday show, a hump day, middle of the week day, over the hill day. We're closer to Friday than we were on Monday. That's a good thing. Uh, just so you know, tomorrow, first hour, it will be State Representative Kim Hammer who will start off the show. And we have some other folks that will be uh, joining us during the course of the show as well. Right now, though, Captain Jay Spaulding is joining us. He is with the Salvation Army here in our central Arkansas area. We're glad to have him in the studio. A lot of things go on at Christmas time with Salvation Army. Yes. I mean, you know, the bottom line is you, you've got to, when you think about the Salvation Army, you got the buckets out there. We do. Okay, you got, you got that. John, flip his mic on, would you please? Uh, you, 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 uh, you got the, the buckets. You got the angel trees. How yes, long sir. has the angel tree been in effect? We've been going with our angel trees since the 70s. Okay. Um, but we've been helping out even longer than that. But we started calling the angel tree in the 70s. Nashville, Tennessee is where that started out. What year? Do you know? I think it was 77. Yeah, it it seemed to me that it was in the late 70s. It happened while I was overseas, in yeah. fact, while I was over on Guam. So, uh that's been a very successful program for you all. It has. And that is the reason why I am where I am today, because someone helped me through the angel tree. Really? And that, that convinced you that you wanted to work for the Salvation Army? Yeah. Um, I was 10 years old. My father had lost his job in November. My mother was disabled, but was not receiving disability. And uh, my parents said, hey, you know what? Um, you know, there's not going to be Christmas this year. That's hard for a 10-year-old boy to hear. Mm -hmm. And they said, but, you know, maybe we can get on our feet. We'll be okay. And on December the 23rd, a Salvation Army officer like myself now and a member of the community showed up at my door, and they had a couple of things with them. They had a basket of food, which was a big help. Right. And they showed up with three gifts, a pair of Converse tennis shoes, which I still always wear as long as I'm not in Very my uniform, cool. a box of Legos, and a basketball. And I'm a huge basketball fan, a huge Lego fan as well. And uh, then they invited me to come to the Salvation Army Church. And I said, yeah, I could do that. So I came, and uh, matter of fact, two weeks after that, they got my dad a job at the local Salvation Army shelter. Start to attend the church, and that summer they invited me to summer camp, and on my 11th birthday I gave my life to Christ. And uh, that next winter came around, my dad said, hey, you know, we still got to help out. So every Saturday he made me go out and ring bells 
with that. And so when I was about 15, I got my call to be an officer in the Salvation Army. So well, I know when I'm uh, in Cabot, whether it's uh, you know Wally World or it's Kroger, you guys are out there. You're, That's right. You do, and you know some are better than others. They some are. ringers are they better. Are. There's a person at, at Kroger, uh, and I don't know. You know they. I don't see them all the time. <clears throat> kind of uh, comes here and comes there, but they play music and are singing. Yeah, you know we have we have some of them that have great personalities. We have some of them that are a little more docile. You know how it works with each person's uh, character, uh, but we have some really good people out there, and they do a great job. We have some that we we employ, and so it's a good way for them to earn a little extra money right. throughout the system. But we have a lot of people that are volunteers. And, we, I mean, we had a whole band go out and play not too long ago. Our, our Salvation Army band is going out on the 21st to play. So it's always oh, good cool. to see that, yeah. Yeah, well, that's cool that the Salvation Army uh, band is out there. A lot of people don't even know you guys have bands. Oh, yeah, we've been having bands for the uh, since our since our beginning in 1865. Yeah. So yeah, you can see the pictures. Yeah, we're pretty good at it. I'm not, not me, but yeah. we I have some great So you great don't play teenage. a tuba? I do not. I do not. <laughs> I, I tried I try to play the euphonium, you know, a little bit smaller than a yeah. tuba. And uh, my band teacher said, you know, Jay, I don't think that this is your calling. You might need to look into something else. So. Yeah, I didn't play tuba. I played a baritone. A baritone, yeah. We yeah, have baritones that's in the what band. I, did. I played the baritone. But anyway, uh, th- this is very cool. The Salvation Army is such – you guys are, I think, identified with Christmas. Yeah. Are you not? We are. I mean, there are very few Christmas movies that you'll find today that doesn't have a bell ringer in there somewhere. We, yep. we are kind of – as a matter of fact, we have our own Salvation Army Christmas movie out now called Silver Bells. It came out about three years ago. It's a great movie. Check it out. Talks all about the Salvation Army and why we do what we do. Is it on Netflix, by any chance? I'm not for sure. It, I know I Walmart to, sold quite a few of them when it I came had out. You had to check it out. You had to check it out. It's really good. It, talks, it takes place it. in Detroit, Michigan, I believe. And where, where did the bell ringer whole idea come from? It actually came from California uh, over 125 years ago. When they were conservative. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> they... Uh, there was a, a gentleman and uh, didn't have enough food for uh, to feed that night, so he took a big black kettle outside and uh, to down to the fisherman's wharf, started to ring the bell to get the attention of the fishermen, and they start to put food into the pot, started to put their daily catch in there, um, and then that just kind of rolled from there. So we've been doing this for 125 plus wow. years now. Wow. Yeah. It, it but continues. We're, we have changed a little bit this year. How, how have we Some new ways. You know, usually it's always, hey, we want your change. We want your dollar bills. That's the way it's always been. Yeah. Uh, but this year we've got two different ways that you can give that we haven't done before. Because not everybody's carrying pocket money anymore. It's, it's You know, that's that's the, the God's honest truth. It's falling I got back. My, I got my debit card, you yeah. know. And now people are even using their cell phones, of course. And that's what we're trying to move to. At all of our Angel Tree locations, at McCain Mall and at Park Plaza Mall, we have little jars. We call them jars. And you can slide your credit card in there and give just that way. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. We call them dip jars. We've been out uh, doing uh, remotes and with you all, yeah. and I've seen those dip jars. So they're really good. And we've had those for, I think, three or four years now. Um, but what we've added now is that every one of our kettle locations, you'll see a little sign where you can do Google Pay, Apple Pay, or there's a QR code that you can read with your phone, and you can make a five, ten, or twenty-five dollar donation, or your own suggested amount. Maybe you want to give uh, twenty-two dollars, like or yeah, twenty-one dollars, like Ezekiel cool. Elliott, or whatever it is. You know, so that's pretty cool. So, yeah. I, I, now that you mention, I, I think of more as a like a, a bucket, and you just put your card, and it says for it's a five, yeah, you know, ten or twenty-five, 
Yeah, I did gave twenty five. I try yeah. to, I try to help out as I can. Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, you know something uh, that you're doing. Now you guys lost a week uh, this Christmas time because Thanksgiving was the last weekend of November. Yeah, we couldn't have pushed it back any further. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm sure that that has eaten into uh, how much you've gathered uh, for the buckets. It has. Uh, currently, right now, we are. $75,000 behind where Woo. we were last year. So, you know, if there's someone looking to get That's that last-minute Christmas gift, I can tell you what it needs to be. Right. So, um, and because even though we are connected really closely with Christmas during this time of year, this is our largest fundraiser. This helps us go throughout the entire year. Right. Um, so this is what we're looking forward to help out our social services, our shelter, and all of those things that we do, our feeding program. So this will keep us going. So we're really needing those extra donations right now. All right, let's talk about something else before before we go to our first break, and that is the angel trees. We have yes. mentioned this earlier. Uh, you've got people who have taken a lot of angels, so to speak, but have not brought back the gifts yet, and that needs to happen. Yes. Um, you know it happens during the busy time of year. People grab one with good intentions. And then the holidays start to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, today was actually our deadline. We have not given out the toys yet, so we're still needing that back. Um, we give out those toys on the 17th and 18th of December. So we're needing to get that back so we can get those sorted and get them into the right hands. Um, so if you have an angel tree, if you have an angel tree tag, please fill that. Get that back to us. You can bring it back to where either you adopted it from or you can bring it back to 1111 West Markham. That's our main location downtown. Um, but then we also have – we've had a couple of corporations who took angels and tried to get them adopted through their employees and that and maybe didn't get them all adopted out. So we have about 200 angels still left on our tree today. Wow. So we need to get those filled in. Got a lot of kids out there that are expecting a Christmas, folks, and they need our help to be, yes, make it happen. I mean, Salvation Army would be happy to get the uh, toys to the kids. Absolutely. But they need the toys. Yes, right. All right, so how, how what's the big uh, what are the big deals this year? Bicycles, I'm sure. Bicycles big. are always a big deal on there. You know, Legos are a big one for the boys. It's always a big thing to have. That can pretty much go from five year olds to you know to ten, eleven year olds. Yeah. Um, but for the girls, it's these LOL dolls. I've not heard of them. They're ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> you buy something that you don't know what it is, and you open it up, and surprise, that's what you have. Hopefully, you don't already have it. But right. They love that. Um, and always craft supplies are a big thing. Everybody loves craft supplies, art supplies, and that can go across both genders like that. Both and of you them know that. what? You can get, I know at Walmart, I was walking through just, well, kind of walking you know, with this foot of mine. It's more of a of a, of a limping. Through, <laughs> a limp stroll. Yeah, you know, going strut. through. Uh, Walmart, but for twenty bucks, you could buy one of these huge art supply things. I mean, it had paints in it, it yeah. had uh, markers in it, it had colored pencils in it. It really did. I mean, any kid that got that could have hours upon hours of drawing yeah. fun, and it just sparks their interest, gets their creativity thing going. So it's always a good thing. Yeah, really is. And by the way, some of the other things that I've seen that are great. Big, big coloring books. Yes. They're back yes. with those again this year. Yeah. They were, they had come back a little bit last year. They had kind of gone out of vogue. But now, you know, I'm talking about four foot tall by two foot wide. I mean, almost life-size, you know, pictures. Yeah, they can color on that for hours. That's yeah, and they love doing it. Yeah, I, I do it with my two little ones. They love doing it. 
All right, let's take a break. Uh, Captain uh, Jay Spaulding's with us. Uh, I'm going to give uh, a, a number. Do you have a phone number? That well, yes, we do. You? What is yeah. it? Yeah, 501-374-9296. That's our main office number, and they'll get you any information that you need. All right, 374-9296. Can people make a donation to that Yeah, number? they can make a donation through there, a credit card donation. We can do it right through the bank account, however they need us to do that. Give them a call right now. Seriously, sure. as you've been listening, you know that the Salvation Army needs your help. Uh, and uh, they would love it if you'd give them a call, 374-9296. And if you give a monetary donation, can you say this is to help one of those kids on Angel Tree or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can do that, or you can just say put it in the bucket, use it throughout the year. Uh, the Salvation Army, these are the folks that we give to when we raise money on the Dave Ellswick Show. There's other groups out there, but I, I don't because these folks uh, – work from a spiritual side as well and that's, that's right. really really important dave ellswick show back with more in just a moment Back with you. <laughs> Captain Jay Spaulding is here from the Salvation Army. Let me give you this number again, 501-374-9296. You know, I have them on every year. We talk about Salvation every year because they've been there for, what, almost 200 years or yeah, more? 1899 is when okay. we got here in Little Rock. We've been around since 1865. That's our when okay, we started so over 200 years, yeah. you know, doing your thing. and. People can depend on them. Uh, they take care of the less fortunate. Uh, they take care of uh, kids that happen to be, you know, children of people who maybe, uh, you know, where they're at, it's their fault. It could be. But. Happens. But. We all make those bad decisions. Yeah, that's right. But you don't punish the kids for that. No. You want to make sure the kids, you know, you got to have, got to have a Christmas. And that's a big part in our culture, in our society. And. You can play a part in that by calling 374-9296. If you missed the beginning of the show, I'm going to repeat some of this because uh, I'm going to keep around uh, the captain until about 45. Sounds and great. We'll re and we'll repeat uh, what we've been talking about, the angel trees and about the uh, the buckets out there and the bell ringers and, and everything else and why this year is tougher than yeah. what previous years have been. I mean, it's less time. Some of the stores gave you even lesser time because yeah. they said you can't start until after Thanksgiving, which is, means you couldn't start to the beginning of December. Yeah. And we're sitting here on the 10th right now. Yeah, and we're hurting. You know? And you say you were 75 grand behind? 75,000 behind where we were <laughs> last year at this time. All right. Now, you may not be able to call 374-9296 and say, Hey, I got $75,000 in the bank I'd like to give to you. Now, that, now you'd make the captain's day. I'm just telling you. Oh, right yeah, absolutely. Now, probably make his week. I'd sleep real well tonight. Now, I can right. tell you that. But the bottom line is, whatever you can give, if all of you give a little, 
That's right. You get to seventy five thousand. Yeah, everybody digs that change out of the couch or out of the, you know, the, the hole in their car. It can really make a difference. Yes, yeah, you'd be surprised. And you know, if you want, uh, I'm sure that you don't want to call up and put it on your debit card. But if you got, let's say you got about four bucks to change, you know, the next time you go to Walmart or you go buy. Uh, what are what are some other places? Walmart, uh, Walmart, Kroger's, Hobby Lobby, Hobby Lobby. Yeah, we've uh, both the McCain Mall and Park Plaza Mall. You'll see them around there. So we've got them all over. I yeah. think it's fifty-seven locations throughout Central Arkansas. Okay, so when you walk by, you know, just throw it in the bucket. Yeah, that all adds up. Yes, it does. It adds up. It I does mean, because we count it every day. I was so going to say I don't want to be up. the guy running it through the machine. I would have me some kind of, uh, you know bug killing stuff to use <laughs> on my hands i can say that much but and you'd be wa- i'd be washing my hands because money is some of the dirtiest stuff that's out there. when we are done our hands are gray uh, afterwards it is pretty gross stuff uh, but let me tell you it makes for a great response to how you get to deal with other people you take that dirty money and you can clean up someone's life yeah that but that's the key you're helping folks you're going to help folks so if you want to give to the angel trees you want to give to the bucket you want to give just to the salvation army period uh three seven four nine two nine six i'm gonna hound you the rest of this hour so if you don't want to hear that number a bunch of times more change the channel right now oh don't do that yeah we need them here. We, we need got, them to listen. We got good stuff for you to listen good. to, but you just keep keep your keep your mind going about about this. By the way, I I hear you saying Legos are are big. They are. How many how many parents uh, call you up and say, "I wish you wouldn't give my kid Legos." I stepped in one in the middle of the night. You know it happens, but uh, <laughs> l- let me tell you, we we have great people who take care of all those things. You know, we have a gentleman who volunteers for us, and what he does, he started this past Monday. Uh, is he comes in every single day, and any bike that comes in in a box, he, he puts, puts it, it together. together. Isn't that awesome? So that that, that, that mom or that dad doesn't have to worry about getting that put together during this stressful time. He takes care of that for him. All of those things come in, he makes sure that they're all so ready they to go So they just roll the bikes into the houses then? Just roll it right in. That's very cool. Uh, that is very cool because I'll tell you what, that's the thing that I didn't look forward to at Christmas time, and that was putting the toys and the bikes yes. together. I keep on joking that I'm going to slip some of my kids' things into the line <laughs> just so that I don't have that. to deal with it. I could see that. I bought a thing for my son. This is years ago. and It was a dinosaur, and it was made out of these little tiny pieces. And I thought, boy, he'll really like that. And then we got it. And my wife, at my household, Santa Claus, comes on Christmas Eve night. Kids mm-hmm. get up Christmas morning, and the toys are all together and ready to be played with. So that meant Dad had to, had to put that <laughs> dinosaur together. Yeah, that was a fun Six night, wasn't it? hours later, <laughs> I, had it, I had the dinosaur working, and one hour was spent on trying to get the dinosaur's eyes to glow red like they were supposed to. But How long did that dinosaur stay together? It uh, stayed together about two days and worked about <laughs> two days. Because it was so such a complex mechanism, it broke down. It's yeah. not going to hold up under a, an eight-year-old's no. play, you no. know, way that they play. And it was they were rough on it, just way, way it went. But they sure did enjoy it. Though. Absolutely, I'm sure they and did. And their their faces were what made it all worthwhile. Yeah, and definitely. So I only got an hour and a half sleep <laughs> at night because that's all I got. Because they're they're up 
before the crack of dawn. That's the way it works. You yeah. know, they, they, they like to get up extra early that morning. That's well, we sure. make them go to bed extra early so that we got time to you can hopefully get, the get it all on. together. And that's right. The problem is, doesn't work out that way. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, we got to help Santa Claus out the best. That's that right. We can. And we're going to, over 2,500 kids, we're going to help here in the Central Arkansas is it area. 2,500? 2,500 kids. Wow. And it's a pretty good amount. And, I mean, that's going to change some kids' lives. That bag of toys changed my life. I'm sure it can change one of these kids' that's lives. That's amazing. As well. There's just something about getting up on Christmas morning and you got something. Yeah. You know how it feels when you sit at your house and you see those kids open up oh, yeah. and you can make that same difference for somebody else. Um, it doesn't take a whole lot uh, to make that big difference. All right. Let me give you the number again. I told you I was going to tell you the number again. It's 501-374-9296. And you say, well, I'll do it when I get home. No, do it right now. That's right. Pull over. Yeah. pull. You can pull over. It's uh, 501-374-9296. Ten bucks goes a long way uh to uh, help kids out hundred dollars goes even further a couple That's hundred right. dollars goes even further than that and it starts eating into that seventy five thousand that we got to make up here in the yeah. next couple of weeks we got till next week it's uh three seven four ninety two ninety six all right i gotta get the news i'm gonna come back with the captain we're gonna tell you about the angel trees and the buckets yet once again
Okay, back uh, with our final segment with Captain uh, Jay Spaulding from the Salvation Army. Uh, if you missed the beginning, uh, sit still, keep listening. We're going to tell you exactly what they need to make this Christmas work. How many people do you serve during the Christmas time? I mean, with meals and everything. Oh, my goodness. So 2,500 angels we serve. Uh, anywhere from 70 to 80 people every single morning breakfast. We're one of the largest breakfast programs here in, in, in the central Arkansas area. Um, then not only that, then we have, you know, 40 to, to 70 people that stay in our shelter every single night. And those are families and women and children. Um, so that's that's a big part of that. Don't you have a big uh, feed that you do? Just we do. Go? We also do, like we did a big Thanksgiving meal. We'll do a big Christmas lunch. Um, and so we, man, gosh, it seems like we're going the whole entire time. Now on the 26th, I, I take off. I don't blame you. You get to sleep in, huh? <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, well, no, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Okay. So I, I do get to be at home. I'll leave it at that. Okay. So. Right. Yeah, maybe. I mean, do you get up earlier than them sometimes during the week when you got all of this going on? We do. Yeah, I'm up every morning at 5 o'clock. Yeah, see, you'll be able to sleep in a little. A little bit, Not yes. Not a lot, this is but true. a little bit. But, yeah. You know, when you got young kids, uh, sleep deprivation is a, a hazard of it having is, children. It it's just the way you go. So let's talk about the two main things, angel trees. Angel tree. Um, we still have about 500 angels that need to come in. Those who have adopted an angel, fill in those gifts, get them down to us, either take them back to where you adopted Adam or bring them at 1111 West Markham in Little Rock, and we'll take care of it from there. And then we have about 200 angels that are still out on our trees. We have those at four Walmarts, both of the main malls, Target and Westside, and the Outlet Mall. Okay, so think about that. They, they need you to stop. Well, are the angel trees even up still? Yeah, they're up. Okay. So and they will be there until the 17th. Okay. So you've got until next weekend. That's right. To go by and get an angel. Do it now. Yeah, that's right. And, and the malls are open late now. They're open until 10 o'clock, so you've got plenty of time to get there. Yeah, get to, get to, now, where do you bring the toys back to when you get the angel? You go out and you buy all the things they want. You don't take it back to the Christmas tree. Where do you go? You can you can either take it back right where you got it from. Oh, you can. Okay. You can. We have people that are at our mall locations, or if you bring it back to Walmart, they hold them onto them for us to just take them to customer service, or you can bring them down to Eleven Eleven West Markham. Okay, so you can take care of it that way. And typically, you know, you get an angel forty fifty dollars typically yeah, covers right. a kid. Yeah, and uh, we put everything on there from a wish. We know what the kid likes. We put on some clothing sizes. So, you know, if you want to get them maybe a shirt, pair of pants, a couple toys, mm-hmm. you know, that's about 40 or 50 bucks, and that makes a big difference for yeah, them. And the, and the child really does appreciate it, and I'll tell you who else appreciates it. It's a parent who would love to be able to give their children something. Maybe for some reason they can't. Yeah, you know, things happen in our life. It might be life hey, happens, Yeah, huh? you know. The majority of, of America lives paycheck to paycheck. And if an illness happens or, you know, there's a problem and you don't have that, paycheck comes in. And then also if you throw Christmas on top of that, who has a lot of extra money? There are some of us out there that have a couple extra dollars. Every year we take a, a 10-year-old angel, a 10-year-old boy every year because that's how old I was when I got helped. That's cool. Uh, you know, I'd rather have, you know, my kids don't need everything, so give them a little bit less and I get to right. help out another kid that makes a big difference. And there's a lot of us that can do that to help out other people in this community. All right. So keep that in mind about the angel trees. You, they're, they're gathering up uh, the angels now and the gifts for the angels, but they have 
couple hundred angels that still need to be adopted. That's right. And they need to be new gifts and leave them unwrapped. Okay, unwrapped. You unwrapped. take care of that. Yeah, you can you can bring wrapping paper with that, but leave them unwrapped. We just got to make sure that they are new and in, in that. Okay, so keep that in mind. Then there's the buckets. Yes. And there's all kinds of ways now that you can donate to the buckets. You don't have to just put change in anymore or a 5 or a $10 bill folded up and yeah. then you sit there and jam it into <laughs> right, the bucket. That's right. Now you can do it differently. Why don't you go into that just a little bit? So we've got our change, we've got our cash, and always drop a check in there, those type of things. If you visit McCain Mall or Park Plaza and go to where our angel tree is, we have little jars that you can slide your credit card in or your debit card, and it takes that money off right then. That's an easy way. Or on our signs, you'll see a little Google Pay portion or an Apple Pay or a QR code reader. Um, if you are much more technological savvy than I am, you can put your phone up against those things, and it will bring you to a web page where you can make a $5, a $10, or a $25 gift right there. And it's just that simple because we don't always carry that money in our pocket anymore. Yeah, probably very seldom anymore. You know, everybody's using the debit card or using their their phones to pay with Apple Pay or whatever. Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a, my wife says I'm an old soul. I always have at least twenty dollars in my wallet. Good for you. So that that way, in case I need to buy a cup of coffee for me and somebody else, I can't always trust my debit card. It seems like no. Here's the key. The key is is that. You are an old soul because very few people carry money. I think I, I have one dollar in my pocket. <laughs> if, if you don't, if I can't use my debit card, I'm out of luck. And it used to be that's what happened to uh, vending machines, but now you can vending even do it machines the, have right. the credit card, and of course it's more expensive because they get charged that three or four percent on the card. That's right. Do you guys still get charged that? Um, actually, it gets. It tallied in with there, so because we do so much of it, it's it's uh, it, they allow us to get through that. Now, here's something that's interesting about our Google Pay, Apple Pay. Okay, if you say some of us leave a little bit earlier for Christmas, and you might be going, say you go up to Chicago, and you're up there, and you walk by Kelly, you know what? I haven't given my donation. If you click their Google Pay or Apple Pay, because of where your zip code is on your debit card or wherever you're attached to, will go to your local Salvation Army. Oh, that's very So that's cool. awesome. So it doesn't matter where you are in the United States. It will come back Somebody here to Central Arkansas. Somebody was putting their thinking cap yeah. on, on that. Makes a big difference. I think that's really awesome. Yeah, I, th- I really think that that's cool. Okay, now, let's say you can't do any of those. You're not going to be out around the big box stores. You're not going to be at the mall. Uh, you're not going to be anywhere where they got one of their little buckets so you can put 5, 10, or 25 in. But you still want to give? Here's how you do it. That's right. You call this number, 501 501- Three seven four nine two nine six. That's five zero one three seven four ninety two ninety six, and uh, you can work with them right over the phone and give some money. That's right. Some of us are still old school. You can always write that check, put it in an envelope, yeah. put a stamp on it, and send it right down Snail to us that mail. way. That's right. Okay. Some of us still like to do it that way. You know, we're old fashioned. Not me. <laughs> Not me. I like to do it the new way. I, I like those buckets. I think those are cool. Where you can it is really neat. It is really neat. Because it just, boom, done. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about anything. And it, it sends you a receipt right to your phone. It takes care of everything. All right. So keep that in mind. Captain Jay Spaulding, thanks so much for coming by today. Thank you I'm for letting late, us get I'm our message out. I'm letting you out to beat the traffic a little bit. I appreciate bit. that. You go ahead and, and, and get to work, go home, have some dinner, see your kids. Absolutely. And then uh, we'll have you back on before Christmas, okay? Thank you so much, Dave. No I really problem. appreciate we'll you. We'll talk to you later. Absolutely. Captain Jay Spaulding here on the Dave Ellswick Show.
I'm going to bring on the host of the next show in my next segment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so let me bring you up to date on what happened today in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, chaired by uh, Senator Lindsey Graham. Uh, They heard from the Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz. 
and he confirmed during his testimony uh, that the FBI used fraudulent evidence that it created as the basis for a sworn statement to the United States Foreign Intelligence Surveillance, or the FISA courts, that it used to obtain a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act application to surveil the Trump campaign during the 2016 presidential election. Quoting here from uh, what was going on in the meeting today, a lawyer at the FBI creates fraudulent evidence, alters an email that is in turn used as the basis for a sworn statement to the court that the court relies on. Am I stating that accurately, asked Senator Ted Cruz. Horowitz uh, answered, that's correct. That's what occurred. The IG report found in an email, and this is quoting from the report, in an email from the liaison to the OGC attorney, the liaison provided written guidance, including that it was the liaison's recollection, recollection that Page had a relationship with the other agency and directed the OGC attorney to review the information that the other agency had provided to the FBI in August of 2016. As noted above, that August 2016 information stated that Page did, in fact, have a prior relationship with that other agency. However, the OGC attorney altered the liaison's email by inserting the words not a source into it, thus making it appear that the liaison had said that Page was not a source. The OGC attorney then sent the altered email to the SSA, Replying upon this altered email, the uh, court signed the third renewal application that again failed to disclose Page's past relationship with the other agency. Now, this should concern every American because God forbid that you should get caught up in this where the FISA court is looking at you for some reason or the FBI uh, wants to have the FISA court give them the ability to, you know, tap your phone and, and all the rest of the stuff that's going on. So um, I hope to get Tom Cotton on in, in the, the next few weeks and talk to him about the Patriot Act and the whole FISA court situation. And does this give him pause about how well uh, the government is protecting uh, people's information? Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham uh, said that when uh, what the FBI did was tantamount to illegal surveillance. Here's uh, what Graham said. Let's play this out. They never told Trump about the concerns. Is it fair to say there came a point to where surveilling Carter Page became unlawful? Horowitz. I will let the court decide that. The court has this report and will make that decision. Graham, let's put it this way then. If you don't have a legal foundation to surveil somebody and you keep doing it, is that bad? Horowitz, absolutely. Graham, is that spying? Horowitz, it's illegal surveillance. It's not court-authorized surveillance. Graham, whatever illegal surveillance means, they did it. They had no legal basis after January 2017 data dump by the Russian guy to believe that the dossier was reliable. They alter exculpatory information in June of 2017 that would have further proven that Carter Page is not a Russian agent, and he was actually working with our CIA.
Now, to, uh, yesterday, Attorney General William Barr told NBC News that in January, after the election, the entire case collapsed when the principal source says, quote, I never told, I never told Steele this stuff, and this was also speculation, and I have zero information to support this stuff. And at that point, when their entire case collapsed, what do they do? They kept on investigating the president well into his administration after the case collapsed. Bar. But here, to me, is a damaging thing and a damning thing. They not only didn't tell the court that what they had been relying on was completely, you know, rubbish. They actually started putting in things to bolster this Steele report by saying, we talked to the sources and they appeared to be truthful, but they don't inform the court that uh, what they're truthful about is that the dossier is false. There's more to come on this. And Durham, of course, is looking into this for Barr as well. And he can bring charges against people. So it will be interesting to see if people end up in court and maybe end up cooling their heels in jail. Now, do I expect anybody big to get caught up in this? Like Comey? Nah, won't happen. They'll protect him till their dying day. But this whole thing of Comey going forth and saying, hey, look, you know, this, uh, this totally shows that I didn't do anything wrong is wrong. In fact, Horowitz said that. Horowitz said that anybody had their fingers in this is seriously, seriously tainted. And Comey was one of the main people with his fingers all over this. So we'll pick that up again tomorrow. First hour tomorrow, we're going to have uh, our good friend, State Senator uh, Kim Hammer on. He'll be on in the first hour and the last hour tomorrow, so you won't want to miss that. I, number one thing I want to talk to him is the governor wanting this half-cent sales tax put into the Constitution for roads. Seems to me that's just a little too far. All right, Carrie is here. She's up after the show. I want to find out, and you want to find out, who she's going to be talking to. Today I'm talking to Poet Laureate Chris James. Cool. He was on the cover in 20... Maybe it's 2014, but he was on the cover of the Arkansas Times Magazine as uh, one of Arkansas's number one visionaries. Okay. He was home. He was a he was a um, he was a father at 16. He was homeless. Okay. Hopeless, and somewhere he started writing poetry, and he now goes around and teaches K through 12 poetry to try to um, teach the language of equality and um, power over your power over your life you mm-hmm. know how to how to overcome uh, you know maybe your socioeconomic situation and then he's just he's just unbelievable to listen to him talk just to talk like you and I are talking yeah. sounds like poetry everything that comes out of his mouth sounds like well, poetry you know a lot of people think that's just rhyming words. It's more to that. I mean, when you start talking about meter and everything else, it's really complex. And, I, you know, this is why I don't want to be an artist. Because to me, it seems to me like the really great artists have walked through the fire and have suffered a lot. Well, that's like blues players. Yeah. You can't play the blues unless your life has been tough. 
So I would just assume, be an average Joe, that you have to, you know. In your case, a Joette. An, an average Joette, but man, he's got some. I'm gonna have him do poetry. The first time I saw him, I was at a fundraiser for Maya Angelou, the Maya Angelou Project. They, they, uh, it's an Arkansas fundraiser that gives scholarships. Okay. I think for writing or literature, and he was there as a guest poet, and he started. He started, uh, he, he got up and did one of his poems, and I started crying, and I thought, man, this wine is really going to my head. <laughs> <laughs> wine is good for doing that. Yeah. I thought, it, it will happen. Yeah. So and then I, I didn't realize that you were into poetry. I'm not. Oh, you're not at all? No. I don't even know. You don't, don't have any poetry. favorite poets? No, I bet you do, though, because you're smart Robert like Frost. that. Robert Frost. I love Robert Frost. I like E.E. E. Cummings. Yeah, see, I don't even know who that is. I know who Robert Frost is, You've never read the poem about the balloon man? You've got to read that poem. Really? I'm just telling you. And then, of course, you know, Robert Frost, the road less traveled and, and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Choose something like a star. That's my all-time favorite poem. Well, if you like poetry, you're going to love this guy. No, I'll listen as I'm going home, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, uh, how about the guy we had last week, uh, Eddie, Ernie Dewis? I, I want to get him on because he should. sounds like he agreed with me about BB some. He agreed. <laughs> he, he was just interesting <laughs> about everybody. Yeah, well. I was surprised been, to hear that, Ro- that Rockefeller, a Republican, was the most liberal governor we've ever had. Uh-huh. I mean, it really doesn't have to do with titles, I don't think. You know, and that, and that. Huckabee was the biggest tax and spend governor we had yes, ever had. Yes, he was. And people don't think that because you think Republicans are are, are conservative. Not you don't think. But in his in his defense, he had supermajorities in the House and the Senate by Democrats. So it didn't matter what he thought; they were going to pass it no matter what. Is that Rockefeller you're talking about? No, no, Huckabee. Oh, Huckabee. Yeah. Yeah. So they just well, I don't even they just ran over him. And I don't <laughs> care about defending. Uh, any of of what they do or what they don't do i mean i feel like they've all been it seemed to me like we've all we've been pretty darn lucky we had a lot of great governors different we've had some good ones different Uh, we've had some stinkers who falvis you know he said did you hear him say falvis was probably the most misunderstood no i did not hear that Mm -hmm. he said he was a sad he was sad when he died he was labeled with that um with that, with the being a racist, that he was labeled with being a racist, and he, uh, and then he spent the last half of his life trying to undo that. Can't undo when you do some of the things that he did. I know that was sad. You know, I when don't. I, I know, don't think his bus should be right off the rotunda in the state capitol. Oh, but that's me. I haven't made a big deal about it. Probably won't. But I'm just saying, it's right off the. Right off the rotunda. Mm-hmm. You know, I had him. I had Ernie Dumas give one word for each governor. Okay, that's good. Because Ernie can talk. He can. <laughs> <laughs> you hit the nail on the head on that. You did. That's true. Um, and I was surprised to hear uh, that he said Mike Huckabee's was um, progressive. He tried. He, he said progressive. He said people don't realize that Mike Huckabee was very progressive. So, Will, I think people don't realize that the Republican Party is progressive. There's some things we're progressive about. Yeah. We it, really, really yeah, are. Sure. You yeah. like me, and I'm a Republican. 
and I'm a conservative. I don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah, that's right. I we as good friends. I'm I just don't, telling I don't, you. I don't. I don't vote party lines. You may, mm-hmm. but I do not. I vote for the man, whether I like the man or not. Well, we're getting the music. I can't get out of here. You God had a Dave. great time in your show. Thank you. I need to get uh, cheers nice and warm for you. <laughs> Thanks. All right. It always is. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. State Senator Kim Hammer up first tomorrow on Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.